And now, introducing the man responsible for the cream cheese shortage, saying, quote, It just feels so good. I put it everywhere. It feels how it smells. Delicious. Unquote. He's here. He's weird. Get used to it. He is Glenn Clark. Are we there? The thing, the thing that happened yesterday, is it, are we doing that again today? Where our faces aren't on the screen, where we're still in the... Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> these things, uh, these things occur. Hi, good morning. It's Glenn Clark. You're crazy. I, I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> to phase out on yeah. two different things, yeah. and yeah. it's just, gotta, just some tweaking, getting yeah, used to we, it. Uh, we, hey, man, uh, technology looks great. We're just, uh, we're just, fun. we're just working it. We're perfecting it. We're perfecting it. And then we got a couple other things we want to work on. To improve things around these parts. Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul Valley. We are here. We are with you for at least a couple of hours. We'll talk, I guess, about the football game last night. It was god awful. I mean, what an atrocious football game that was. I know it wasn't the story. The story was, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. By the way, there's, and I mean, there's a lot. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, of course, you're going to refer to Ben Roethlisberger as just Ben, right? Like, I get that. If you're a professional broadcaster, the name Ben is is too broad for it to be okay for you to just fawn all over him and say, oh, we're just out there watching Ben. Like, you, have a, you still have a job to do. It's one thing when somebody does that with LeBron, right? Because there's literally one LeBron, that has mattered in the history of pop culture. It's another thing, or like Shaq, for example. If if somebody who's in a professional broadcaster says, we're watching Shaq, you get it. You know who it is. And I know that somebody's going to say, well, obviously anybody watching that game, if you say talk about Ben, you know who they're talking about. You still have a job to do as a professional broadcaster. And for people to just, for, for Steve, I don't know, that crew's bad to begin with. And they're I, so bad. They're so bad. It's, it's rough, man. I, I don't dislike any of them, like, personally, but... It's just not a good broadcast. But when Steve Levy just keeps saying, well, look at Ben, like, no, dude, you have, you still have a job to do. I get the story of the game. This isn't me as a, a like, that's not a Steelers hater thing. It's a, you still have to do a broadcast for everyone. You can't just keep saying Ben over and over again. It's way too common a name to think that one man has usurped it so that if you say Ben, everyone knows. The constant thing that you're always told in broadcasting, you have to pretend like not everyone watches every game and knows everything that you're talking about. You have to act as though there's somebody who's tuning in for the first time that doesn't just know Ben by first name. And I get it. Again, given the circumstances, we all understand it. But it was just one of those weird things about me as a broadcaster that just irked me last night. The number of times... Not just him, but even Van Pelt. I know we're not, for some weird reason, like Van Pelt is above criticism, which is bizarre. Um, I like Scott, don't get me wrong. He's he's good. Um, but he did the exact same thing. Ben, Ben. You gotta say Ben Roethlisberger. I know it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily as, say, like Ray Lewis's name does, but you have to still say it as a broadcaster. How about Big Ben? That would be better, right? That would definitely be better in those circumstances, but it's sort of low rent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a low rent thing for a professional broadcaster to do to just refer to someone by a silly nickname, right? Like it's again, it's a big difference between LeBron, who's the only LeBron, mm-hmm. or at the time Shaq, who was the only Shaq. It, it, 
I know that over the years we have referred to Michael Jordan as just Michael, right? But it would be a silly thing to do on a broadcast mm-hmm. to just refer to him as Michael. How about MJ. Mm, Michael Jackson was pretty popular at yeah, the exact same true. time. It would have been a tough thing to do. I, this is a nitpicky broadcasting thing with me, but you still have to say the person's entire name unless the name is so you know, synonymous with that word that it becomes unnecessary. You have to still say their entire name. Or if you're going to choose one or the other, you say the last name. You don't choose to say only the first name. You say the last name because it's sports, and we refer to people by the name of the back of their jersey. That was my old man yells a cloud moment. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to spend. I don't know. I don't really want to spend five minutes on this. I'm sorry, it's my fault. No, no, this is a nitpicky thing on a on a. And what was a really bad broadcast? Like, and I get it. Part of that is the football game was so bad mm. that all they had was just I don't know fawn over Ben Roethlisberger because there ain't nothing to talk about football wise. It was a an abomination of a football game, uh, other than T.J. Watt. And that is a huge story, you know. T.J. Watt now being a sack away from Michael Strahan's record as uh, he comes into Baltimore next week—that's a massive story. I mean, that—that's—that's that's big, and that matters from a football perspective. Did you find yourself rooting for him to get a fifth sack last night? Just so he wouldn't. No, no. If he got a fifth sack, it would have been the his. It, it would have tied the record. Right. Right. And, but and why I mean, would I? Why would I have done that? I, I don't know, man. For, for the story, I guess I'm not. I'm in no uh, way, no shape, or form a Steelers fan, but I'm watching. And I'm like. That'd be cool if he got a fifth. I was never a big mm. Michael Strahan guy, but it's and also... I, I definitely prefer Michael Strahan to T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt plays for the Steelers. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're aware. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's, you will be hard-pressed to find me give any kind of accolades or praise to anybody. Well, no, T.J. Watt's but, incredible. There's no debating that, but it doesn't mean I want to see him... I'm not rooting for him in any way. And do you think there should be an asterisk if it's in a 17-game nah. season? Because he's only going to play 15 yeah, nah, games. The, the whole thing. Like, it... it there, we don't put asterisks on 16-game things when other guys went in 14 games. Yeah, no, that's it true. Doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, uh, look, man, D.J. Watt's having a hell of a season. There's no debate about that. He's a hell of a football player. There's no question about it. That doesn't mean I want to see him succeed in any capacity. Now, T.J. Watt's going to line up against Alejandro Villanueva at some point next week. He <laughs> might not just break the record. He might get to 26 by the time things are over next week. So... You know, there's there's that. Um, that was the only thing from a football standpoint. Other otherwise, it was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. It was a bad game. It was so bad, and that doesn't help the broadcasters that are broadcasting it because what do you talk about? I mean, how many times can you say that no one can throw the ball here? At one point, they were like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's five for five passing tonight on third down. None of them have converted a first down. You can't throw the ball. Downfield, he averaged 2.7 yards per passing attempt last night, which is one of the most disgusting numbers I've ever seen in the history of football. But I get it, I get it. It was all about Ben Roethlisberger last night. Where, yeah, go ahead. I saw a stat that was on, that they just put out. It was um, on Monday night. Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger combined for 308 passing yards on 84 attempts per Elias Sports. Their 3.67 yards per attempt is the lowest combined rate in a game in NFL history. No, I mean, I believe that. That's ben, what Roth- we were ben Roethlisberger won with 2.7 yards per passing attempt. He won the game. And this wasn't in extreme weather conditions. This wasn't Buffalo, New England a few weeks ago. <laughs> God, it was just so awful. And then on top of that, you had and Lewis Riddick's the only redeemable part of that booth. Like he's the only one that you would say, all right, if you recreated a booth, you could see a scenario in which Lewis Riddick stays in it. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could find other parts that you think would make it work. Um, and and it's a shame because Steve Levy does other things well for ESPN. This is just not 
and I don't know why it. He regularly doesn't know what's going on during the game, and that's that's not his fault. That's the fault of whoever their spotters are and their producers. It's it's so bad how many times he doesn't know what's going on in the game, and that's not. I'm telling you, as someone who does play by play, that happens all the time, where there is a disconnect between the field and the booth because you got a lot going on. But this is ESPN. This is Monday Night Football. There should be six people responsible for making sure he knows what's going on. So that's a different thing. Lewis Riddick last night, when the Browns had one path to trying to win the game at the end, they still had all three of their timeouts, and they were getting into scoring territory. And they went down and ran a sneak on third and one. And insanely, I mean, this is the type. You you guys can bitch about John Harbaugh all you Mm -hmm. want. This is the type of S that should disqualify you as a coach. There was one path to the Browns having a chance to get back into the game, which was holding on to their three timeouts. So that, I mean, if you still want to try an onside kick, you can. But no matter what, the Steelers can't just run out the clock. You have the opportunity to stop them on three downs and get the ball back and still have another minute or so left to try to go win the game. Insanely... As they're in the red zone, they convert on a, a third and short on a sneak, and they call timeout. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. This is football 101 type of stuff. You have to know you need your timeouts. You've got to be able to do the math. I talk about this all the time with the, the uh, two-minute warning. You need to know how many times you have timeouts you have left to know if the two-minute warning has to be a timeout for you. And if that's the case, then you know you've got to score before the two-minute warning. And if you can't get a touchdown, you have to kick a field goal because you have to be able to use the two-minute warning as a timeout or else you're not going to get the ball back. It's these types of things that you have to know and you have to be able to get right. You can piss and bitch and moan about the delay of game thing all you want. I get it. I, you know, Trust me. We talked about it yesterday. I didn't want them to lose those five yards. But that's not win or lose the game stuff. That's It's better for you in the circumstance to not lose those five yards. This is the difference in winning and losing. The moment you call that timeout, you've lost your path to victory. The only thing you can do now is try to convert an onside kick. That's it. That's all that's left for you when you call that timeout is making an onside kick. You can never, ever do that. And Lewis Riddick, of all people, was the guy like, all right, you got to get up and call timeout. Mm-hmm. I heard that. What? Spike the ball! You're on offense! You can stop the clock without calling a timeout. It's so bad. This, this is not... This is the stuff that you think you're saying when you scream about John Harbaugh, and you're not. That's inexcusable. The John Harbaugh stuff, there's gray area on the delay of game thing, as I talked about. I, watching that video again with Tyler Huntley pointing at the clock, there clearly is something going on there. Tyler Huntley absolutely believed there was still a second on the play clock, so I don't know if it's just a, a problem between the stadium clock and the I, – I don't know what it is. I have no clue what the circumstances. I assume the officials are looking at the same clock that Tyler Huntley is, so I don't know how that happens. And I don't know how it affected John Harbaugh. But that's not the inexcusable stuff. What happened on that broadcast and what the Kevin Stefanski did last night, that's the type of thing that should disqualify you as a coach, period. You have to know that you have to hold on to your three timeouts because it's the only chance you have of getting the ball back. Again, 
Somebody could say, well, you can recover the onside kick. It's like a 4% success rate ever. The only actual chance you have of winning the game is they get the ball back and you stop them three times and force them to punt. That's it. I'm glad we're on the same page with this because when I heard Riddick say you have to get up and get a timeout, I thought, what are you doing? That's the dumbest thing you could do. That's how you lose the game. And and I'm like, but if, if Riddick's saying it, like he had me questioning myself because he's the guy in the broadcast booth. No. And and with that, and I asked this on Twitter, we don't need to spend too much time on it. Is this the worst broadcast team in the history of Monday Night Football? I don't know, or is, man. Is yeah, it up I, there with like Dennis Miller? No, Dennis Miller wasn't good. Tony Kornheiser wasn't good either. You know what I mean? They, like they've done a lot of experimenting over the mm. years in the Monday Night Football booth. Um and I I don't have that answer. I'm I'm disappointed in how bad Steve Levy's been yeah. because I like Steve Levy and I don't think it's all on him. I said a few times, like I, I said earlier, I think that his spotters are not helping. The producers are not helping him the way that you need to help someone calling a marquee football broadcast. Brian Greasy's just a guy. I mean, like I have no idea why he was the guy to begin with. He's just a right. guy. He's never been a, you know, sign- he wasn't a. Si- the problem is he. You can either have cachet as a player or as a broadcaster. He's never had either. Right. He had no cachet as a player. He was just a guy as a player. Bob Greasy's son. Uh, not, well, uh, Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy. Yes, Bob Greasy's son. What? Where did I get I don't, Bob Greasy I don't know. From? I have no clue. But he's Bob, Bob Greasy's yeah. son. And he was fine. Like, he was a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, but he was never a good one. Like, he was never one that, you know, you could do something with. Um, he was he was Trent Dilfer without ever, ever, ever having to win won a Super Bowl, right? Like... He just had no cachet as a player, and he's no cachet as a broadcaster. He's, he's fine. He's just fine. I never understood. It, it never made any sense to me why he was the guy. He has no pop culture cachet. He's just there. Um, and it, it just always came off as we won't spend any money on this broadcast booth, so this is what we're going to give you. And what you stumbled into was Lewis Riddick's largely pretty good in the booth. Mm-hmm. Like I never really got that because he didn't have cachet as a player. Um, or even as a front office guy. He just happened to be a front office guy, but he clearly has cachet as a broadcaster. Like, you've at least gotten to that point where he has cachet as a broadcaster. It's why it was so disappointing he screwed up last night. Well, and I'm watching, I thought to myself last night, it's a shame that Steve Levy's ineptitude makes these guys guilty by association. Because maybe Greasy could do something that could stand yeah, out. Yeah, I, I don't. For, for me, I, I don't think I don't think Greasy's any better. Th- I don't think that Steve Levy's worse than. Gre- I just think that it's just there's just nothing there. Yeah, it's just not, there's nothing there. There never has been. It's a bummer. Um, it makes and the and the broadcast as a whole isn't great. It feels like a cheap broadcast that they've been doing over the last couple of years, and and it's just meh. It's just all very meh. Um, and when you combine that with a really bad football game, you get a night where legitimately I found myself saying, I'm going to go look at the Maryland game. Like, I'm actually going to go look at the Maryland game for a little while because this is unwatchable football with a bad broadcast to boot. It's just, ugh, it's gross. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house at Live Casino Hotel. We're going to talk more about Ben Roethlisberger in a couple of minutes. The man who's responsible for Ben Roethlisberger ever being a thing, Gary Baxter, is going to join us. Now, I get it. Ben Roethlisberger probably would have been a thing at some point no matter what, but the reason why he had to start playing and why he became a phenomenon so quickly is because Gary Baxter, of course, injured Tommy Maddox uh, many years ago. And Ben Roethlisberger had to come into a game in Baltimore where his career began. There's been a lot of people talking about how his career could begin in Baltimore and end in Baltimore. It could. However, obviously, they are still alive. Um, they they have 
they have a better path to the playoffs than the Ravens do, they would need only the Colts. I believe they would only need the Colts to lose. Yeah, I think they would only need the Colts to lose and for them to win in order to get in the Steelers. So I, I saw something that said um, if the if the Colts lose to the Jags, mm-hmm. it would be a better outcome for both the Raiders and Chargers if that game just ended in a tie because they'd both make the right. playoffs. They would both have their spot guaranteed, correct, if they ended in a tie. Now, the, 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 it's the absurd thing where, like, it's not worth the conversation that's being given because it will never happen. Yeah. It, there will, th- this bit where you're like, why don't they just go out there and shake hands and agree to play to a tie, right? Like, it just take knees for the entirety of the game. It will never happen. One of the division rivals. Well, it's, it, that's not even – it's so beyond the pale to consider that the financial ramifications would be – no one involved would ever be allowed to participate. with The, the NFL would make, see to it. That if coaches did something like that, you would never work in the NFL again. Yeah, that's a great point. They would they would make damn sure that that never ever happened. Now, if you get to overtime organically, and there's two minutes left, and you're think you get the ball back at your own 17 yard line, and they don't have any timeouts, and you're thinking about what you want to do in that situation, that's where absolutely that could become a factor. It could become a factor that they say, let's just take some knees. If we get a tie, we're in. Like. It's relevant in that moment, but the idea of of them, you know, getting together beforehand and saying, "Guys, well, if we just tie, we're we're both in. What are we doing here?" No, no chance, because they would all be out of jobs. They would all anyone involved with an agreement to throw a football product would be out of a job immediately and would never work in the sport again. And by the way, there are players that still have other things at stake, too. They wouldn't be aboard, on board yeah. with it. There are players that still have money at stake um, for, for making certain uh, bonuses. There's just no way. It's, it's impo- I get it. I get why you guys think it's interesting. It's not interesting. It would never in a million years happen. For the, for the record, I agree. It would never in a million years happen. I never even thought about the fact that the NFL would just— Oh, they would. If yeah, you, if never you thought threw about that, their yeah. Sunday night football broadcast at the end of the season— if you were involved in a coordinated attempt to ruin them, ruin that ratings, ruin all of it, no chance. No, ch- you wouldn't even have to word, use the word collusion because they would just openly admit like it. Like the Eagles did last year in the final Sunday night. Well, the Nate Sudfeld thing. I mean that that you, they can defend that because it was best. They can say, look, man, we, we don't give us, sh- you know, <laughs> boy. They can defend that because they can say we got to we want to look at our guy, right? And mm-hmm. everybody knows you don't need to look at your guy. Like everybody knows that's not something that needed to happen. But it's not throwing a game. It's not right. colluding to throw a football game. That is, that's insane. Like, that's just, boy, you would never. And, and by the way, that's the type of thing that the government would investigate. If you got together and threw a football game, like, I, I get what you think you're doing. You're saying, well, we're throwing it in the name of benefiting ourselves. No, no, no. If you're throwing a football game and betting is involved and all of those things, you would be investigated by the government over mm-hmm. something along those lines. Um, anyway, so we'll talk to Gary Baxter about uh, Ben Roethlisberger here in a second. Later on this hour, Patrick Stevens is going to join us for our weekly chat. Maryland did end up losing last night at Iowa. They they, they battled, they fought, but they lost at Iowa. The real bummer, uh, Towson fell at Drexel last night, a game that I watched the majority of. They just did not look that good, um, which is particularly disappointing because they've looked really good this season. And speaking of Towson, in the 11 a.m. hour, our friend Spiro Marikis is going to be back in studio with us. It's been a while since we caught up with Spiro. Towson play-by-play voice, uh, legend, former talk show host in town. I love Spiro. We always have great conversations with him. We're going to chat with him. He's a Ravens guy, too, so we'll talk a lot about that. And uh, the Ben Roethlisberger thing 
and what the Ravens do on Sunday is certainly going to be a topic uh, then and throughout the course of the week here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. By the way, no, and to answer your question, Andrew, I'm not bothered by the fact that it was a slurp fest for Ben Roethlisberger. That's not the part that bothers me. It's a Hall of Fame player playing in his final home game. What, what, do, you, what do you think you're going to get in those circumstances? Obviously, we don't like him, and... You know, there's there's some of some of the other things involved aren't great, and so if your point is, hey, that that should have been brought up at some point, I don't know how to handle that. I have no idea, no clue how to handle any of that. But I'm not surprised by what you got on that. It was always going to be what that broadcast was. It's just the reality of the circumstances. Okay. All right. Um, very good. We are, of course, talking about uh, you know Ben Roethlisberger played his final home game last night, and he is going to be uh, playing in Baltimore on Sunday for what very well could be his final game. And it takes us back a few years to the first time we ever saw Ben Roethlisberger. And the reason why we saw Ben Roethlisberger for the first time was because of something that happened all the way back in 2004 when Tommy Maddox was knocked out of a football game by our next guest, paving the way for Ben Roethlisberger to make his debut in a lopsided Ravens victory. Joining us now to tell us all about that, and of course his memories of going up against Ben Roethlisberger, he is one of our favorites. It's always been a pleasure to welcome in former Baltimore Ravens cornerback Gary Baxter, who's with us now here on GCR. Gary, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you again, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on, and good to catch up with you. Glenn and Paul. Trust man. me, I love Baltimore. I know you do, man. I know you love Baltimore, and you're always one of our favorites in the locker room. You were always one of the best. Whenever we needed to go talk to somebody, we're like, man, we'll go talk to Gary. That's the way it was going <laughs> to be. We're going to go talk to Gary. Hey, dude. I'm going to always give you some good stuff. When when I when I say, you know bring up 2004... And that day, and that that moment, so you you know you knock Tommy Maddox out of the game. If I had said to you in that moment, "Hey, the dude that's about to come in here is going to end up winning multiple Super Bowls and be a Hall of Fame quarterback over the course of the next decade and a half," what would you have said to me then? Let's not call that blitz. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not call that blitz then. Um, as you know, uh, at that time that year, I mean, we was bringing the heat on that defense. And, uh, you know, it was it was the blitz that they called. And I love blitzing. And so, uh, you know, that play happened. And I just never knew uh, that, you know, Ben was going to come in and just, just take advantage of the opportunity. Talk about a guy who's taking advantage of an opportunity. You could say Ben Roethlisberger definitely did that. There's no doubt about that. There is no doubt about it whatsoever. It it didn't happen immediately, right? Like, there was no reason that day, as that game went on, for you to think, like, man, this guy's going to be special. But you faced off with the guy plenty of times afterwards. Do you remember, like, when it was that you're like, oh, man, I – I, you know, the first time you thought to yourself, I'm really mad that we called that blitz. <laughs> right. Well, I would tell you. So the interesting story is, obviously, we called a blitz. Tommy got hurt. I, I hate that he got hurt. And of course, right. You don't want to get hurt in the game, but it's part of the game. And so I remember we went in the game, and, you know, the Steelers nation was 
pissed at me. They was mad. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> word, what's going on? And so the next week, being Rosenberger, he plays Miami. It was kind of a rainy, soggy game. So I made sure I paid attention to it, and they won. And I was like, okay, all right. And then the next week, they won. And the week after that, they won. And I was like, oh. I said, well, we don't create it here. You know, I'm like, because we're going to have to face this guy. And I'm like, you know, this is this guy is going to be he's going to be something special, but we just didn't know how special he was really going to be. And the fact that he have a Hall of Fame legend career, uh, just awesome. What 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 was it? You know, in facing because obviously it wasn't just in Baltimore, but even when you went to Cleveland, you had to face Ben Roethlisberger a few more times. What was it? that made the dude, and I, and we hate talking about it, obviously, in Baltimore because he's public enemy number one, but what right. was it that made the dude so special as you watched his young career unfold? Well, you know, I had to think about that same question, and the only thing I came up with was, you know, our defense, when you face the Ravens' defense in that time period, I mean, we was, you had to bring your A game. And so as a young quarterback, he got thrown into the fire, and he faced one of the best defense in the NFL. And from there, I mean, he came in and he, he saw he, what we call it, thrown into the fire. So he got a chance to see what we call a great look at what a great defense looked like. And from sure. that point on, I think that built his confidence. If he could face the Ravens, he, see, he saw what the best was. And from that point on, I think he was like, you know, I got the confidence. I, you're not the Ravens. We go out here and face you guys. And and more importantly, he had a lot of great players around him as well. They was really good. Um, unfortunately, no one knew that he was going to come in and be that great um, after knocking Tommy, Tommy Maddox out. But, I mean, what a great career and what a great story. He is Gary Baxter, former Baltimore Ravens cornerback. Of course, he's the man responsible for Ben. If not for him, Ben Roethlisberger would have never been Ben. Well, that's probably not true. That's very true. And Ben owed me a steak dinner. So, I'm still waiting on that steak dinner. I, this is what I – at any point, because you did, you know, obviously spend three more seasons going up against him in Cleveland. At any point, did he, like, come up to you and say something like, hey, man, you know. Thanks. Did did you ever have an interaction with Ben at any point about that? You know, I, I can't remember. I know we talked and we ran into each other a couple of times, but you know, I I I would prefer a steak dinner versus <laughs> things because you know, the, you know, this had it not been from that one blitz, and I love the blitz, and they called it, and I was like, I'm gonna make the the best of it. I'm trying to get to the quarterback as fast as possible. I mean, who knew? Who knew that that guy was going to come in and have 18 years of just great performance for the Steeler Nation? I mean, that's, like you say, he's public enemy number one, but, man, you just got to tip your hats to that guy for, for the longevity, the Super Bowls, and just being in the game that long and changing, and he's definitely our first ballot Hall of Fame. Yeah, we hate, again, we don't like saying that, man. We really <laughs> right. don't like saying The man's only well, earned like $250 million in his career. <laughs> I would think that at some point he could maybe buy a steak dinner just as a thank you. I don't I don't think you're asking for too much, Gary. <laughs> that, that's right. I, and I think, you know, even any time I go in Pittsburgh, they should always give me free food and drink right? because I produce, <laughs> produce being Rosenberger. But I will say, if it wouldn't been from Baltimore Ravens, there wouldn't be no Ben Rosenberger. So that's one thing we can hang our hats on. So let's let me let me talk about that. What you know, obviously you left Baltimore not that long afterwards, right? But this is Raven Steelers Week that we're talking about, and a lot of people have said, you know, what what is Raven Steelers moving forward without Ben Roethlisberger, right? Like what what is that right. rivalry? Do you have any like thought about that? Because you know you. 
you were sort of on the front end of when the because you you know you saw sort of the tail <laughs> yeah. end of the Titans thing with the Ravens, and you were on the front yeah. end of when Raven Steelers really became a thing. Do, do yeah. you do you have any sense of of does Raven Steelers continue to be? We've already watched the Ray Lewises and the Ed Reeds and and those guys of the world leave, and and you know the Heinz Wards, the Jerome Bettises. It, does Raven Steelers still mean the same? Do you think moving forward? with Ben Roethlisberger now being gone, too. Absolutely. I don't think that rivalry will ever go away. As long as those two teams are going to be playing each other, I just, I mean, if the difference is is if you had a soft chin strap in any other games, the only time you change that soft chin strap to a hard chin strap is when you play the Steelers. And, I mean, it is a knockout, brutal physical, hard-hitting game, and we scrap. I mean, everyone wants to win, so it, it, it would never change. I think the mentality that we set there um, early on, I think that is always going to be a great rivalry. And, and again, you know, you got to give credit to the Steelers. They have a great organization, and so does the Ravens. And so that's the reason why I believe that will always be a, a very heated battle. And this week, I mean – it doesn't really matter what the record is. It's anytime you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. it's game on. There's no doubt. Gary Baxter with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Gary, I warn you, this is a hot-button issue. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, this, this is one that's been quite controversial when it's come up. That's the question of, of, of what you think Ravens fans should do, how they should react on Sunday, given that it is likely Ben Roethlisberger's final game, right? Like, there have been people that think that Ravens fans should – should probably, you know, give uh, Ben Roethlisberger a nice ovation despite the fact that he's Ben Roethlisberger and these are the Pittsburgh Steelers. There are Ravens fans that would tell you, I'd rather die than clap for Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger at any point in my life. It was, in- and I'll give you some context, right? I saw this last night. Um, you know, we did, as I think we talked to you when we were doing this, we did a whole story about Ray Lewis going into the Hall of Fame and we caught up with everybody during the process. And I, I ended up talking to Ray Lewis's daughter, Diamond, a lot during the course of that because she was inducting him into the Hall of Fame. And I saw her on Twitter last night talking about how happy she was for Ben Roethlisberger. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. whoa, <laughs> whoa. So let me put well, it to you, because you're a guy that went up against him. You know the nature of Raven Steelers, but what would you say to Ravens fans that were going to the game on Sunday and, like, what they should do, given the fact that it's Ben Roethlisberger's final game? You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I love Baltimore, and I'm a Ravens fan through and through, but anytime you have a special player, that, you know, like being Rosberger that has created memories, it was great to compete against him. He made the rivalry what it is. I think at the end of the day, we're classy, and I think we're Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens fans are just at a higher standard, and, and it's just it's a winning organization, winning city. I think that we should give him a standing ovation um, just as one of the great players that played the game and, and gave us a lot of great memories. And, and it's the reason Oof. why those guys in the locker room this week will be fired up is because they plan against being Rosenberger. But at the end of the day, we want the win. We want our fans to just go absolutely crazy at the game. But as you walking off, it would be very classy and, and speak highly of our city and the organization. Just everyone, if we can just give them a uh, on a pause, or just 
uh, standing ovation as he walked out. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the great players who's played the game. So uh, I would say let's end it on a classy note because we are classy. We are the higher standard. I, I, uh, the purple and black is that way. I truly appreciate what you're saying, Gary. I just know that there are going to be more than a few people <laughs> that say no effing chance. <laughs> we'll give him a standing well, middle finger. That's what we're going <laughs> to give them. <laughs> well, you know what? That's our friends. They got fire in them. And, you know, I understand. But at the end of the day, he, he's a special player. He was great to compete against. Uh, and that's the kind of player that you want to play against. And, you know, and if he was on your team, obviously that speaks volumes from the people that play with him. But as far as a competitor, I mean, this is the reason why people are to feel the way they feel. No, he, of course, right. He got, he made everyone bring their game in. Obviously you want to bring your A game against him. And at the end of the day, I think if we win and we win and we should win, I think the players, this is, should be their, Playoff, Super Bowl, whatever, this, they should lay it all on the line on this game right here to make sure that I don't, we are, we'll give him an applause as he's leaving with an L would be great. That would be tremendous if that were the case. That would be the <laughs> ultimate way to honor. This is a great question, Gary, from, from and this comes from Terry, one of our listeners, who says, Glenn, can you ask Gary if he remembers what the name of the call was? on the blitz where he knocked out Tommy Maddox. Do you remember what the name of that, that play was where you came in? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Eagle 2 Blitz. Okay. what it was. Okay. And, Eagle. Uh, Eagle 2 Blitz. And basically at the nickelback, um, I was at the nickelback on replacing outside linebacker. So it, uh, they had a receiver, so it allowed me to, to blitz on the edge. And and the rest is history, unfortunately. Yeah, that Eagle Two Blitz, we might need to throw that one out. There, oh man, right? The, the Ravens have should retire it forever. It's responsible for the terror of Ben Roethlisberger over the years yes. because of that yes. Eagle Two Blitz. Gary Baxter, what's going on with you these days, man? What what are you up to? How's life treating you? Um, you know, just just give me a rundown on on you and what's going on. Oh man, so uh, everything life is great. I'm in Texas, uh, you know. Uh, invested in some business of commercial real estate and basically watching those Baylor Bears have a tremendous season. Uh, and that's been the thrill. Is just really enjoying, relaxing with friends and family and uh, taking it one day at a time in the business world. But I will say the Baylor Bears gave me a really great season last year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And this year, too. Yeah, right? That was a lot of fun mm -hmm. for you guys, no doubt. Um, give me the... So do you do you still stay in like are are you, do you watch Ravens games are you invested at all do you do you still stay up on them at all week to week? I do, I do. You know, I'm I'm down in Cowboys Nation. Yeah, so sure. Yeah, these people are absolutely crazy. So I have to represent uh, and let them know is is you know. It's, it's more than Cowboys, but... Uh, but so when somebody says, oh, like, this is proof, you know, I was right about Lamar Jackson all along, he's no good because he had a couple of bad games. What do, you, what do you say to them? Oh, they scared of Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And, they, and I tell them all the time, if, anytime Lamar Jackson is playing the game, y'all can say whatever you want to say. Y'all all are nervous, and you don't know who's going to win the game because at the end of the day, he is a threat. And he, he, makes, he makes things happen, and... It creates problems for defenses. So, for the most part, I mean, the same people that say, talk about the Ravens, they're watching other people at the Super Bowl, too. 
I mean, that's true. That's true. You're right about that. Gary Baxter, man, it's so good to catch up with you, brother. It is so great to hear your voice. You're not, like, I have searched high, like, you are not on social media whatsoever, are you? No, not yet. Um, I kind of stay low and just been enjoying life, you know. I I pop up every now and then, like now, and uh, just really low-key, but I really enjoy, you know, uh, watching a lot of these guys, my former teammates, and watching the Ravens play and Baylor play, but just staying connected behind the scenes and just really enjoy life. That's great, man. Gary Baxter, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, my friend. Uh, Continued health, success, safety to you, your family, man, and uh, let's, let's chat again at some point down the road. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No problem. Thank you. And likewise, and Happy New Year's to everybody. Thank you, my friend. Gary Baxter, former uh, Baltimore Ravens cornerback, of course, the man responsible for uh, Ben Roethlisberger seeing the field in 2004 when uh, his blitz took out Tommy Maddox. And, uh, yeah, I don't don't think that people are going to go along with his suggestion that uh, Ben Roethlisberger get a standing ovation. I do. I do think there's going to be a weird. I. I. And this is my prediction, because I think they're, including the fact that there are going to be Steelers fans at the game on Sunday. We're going to have to make peace with that immediately. Y'all are going to get butt hurt about it, but you need to be practical about this. The game essentially means nothing for the Ravens. Essentially, there is this you know one in a billion chance that it could mean something, but it essentially means nothing for the Ravens. It's Ben Roethlisberger's final game. It's not just that Steelers fans in this area are going to be trying to get tickets. It's that people are going to be coming down in droves yeah. from Pittsburgh. And the problem is you, you can be mad at Ravens fans all you want for this, but I, I attempted. I got a buddy who was, like, looking for tickets, and I was like, man, you know, the Ravens have lost five straight games. Like, I would think that you might be able to, to get somebody. Last week, everybody was trying to dump their tickets. Like, that, my God, there could not have been more tickets available mm. on my social media feed on Sunday morning. And my buddy, uh, Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher, was just like, dude, I just want to give away my tickets. Somebody just take my tickets. Now, you know, not everybody was doing that, but there were a lot of people that were doing that bit. So I'm just going to pull this up. Right now, the cheapest get-in for Sunday. Like, if you want to sit in the the top of the upper deck, it's going to cost you $128. Nobody's giving away tickets for Sunday because there are Steelers fans that want to buy them. They are driving up the prices for this game. Oh, yeah. So y'all can be mad about it, and you can scream and, and bellyache, but... I ain't going to fault somebody who's like, hey, man, I got a chance to make a couple bucks on my my tickets. And so if I got to sell them to a Steelers fan, I'm going to sell them to a Steelers fan. Because Ravens fans, there is not a demand from Ravens fans. The demand is from Steelers fans. So you have to start with the fact that it's going to be awkward because there's going to be a lot of Steelers fans there on Sunday. Be- prepare yourself for that now. There's going to be always a-, a lot of Steelers fans there. There's going to be more than that. Yeah. Like, it's going to approach, it's going to be something that we've never felt in Baltimore before, which is like, not takeover, but like it's gonna be closer to fifty fifty than we've ever seen in Ravens history. Well, and not to mention, there's already a lot of Steelers fans in this area. That's what I talked about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like they're they're here and they come out for all of them. But it's never there's never been a time where you felt like there might be as many Steelers fans here as there are Ravens. That's never happened, right? Mm, it's right. just that you notice it because there's more. There are more Steelers fans that come to Ravens games than there are fans of any other team that come to Ravens games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not, when the Ravens play the Bengals, there's not a, a large swath of Bengals fans. When they play even 
Philadelphia or DC, you know, Washington. There aren't that many. When they play the Steelers regularly, there are more Steelers fans at the game than there are any other team's fans. Mm-hmm. Be prepared for this week because Ravens fans are dumping their tickets because they can make a profit on them with the Ravens, with the game not meaning much of anything to the Ravens. Maybe that might change a little bit if we were to find out that Lamar Jackson was going to play, but it's it seems so unlikely at this point that it, I don't think people are even considering that as they make this decision. Yes, there's more of a chance of you hanging on to a ticket if you know that Lamar Jackson is going to play and you have a chance to watch Lamar Jackson. But when you're making the decision of either I can sell my tickets to a Steelers fan, and you don't even know that it's a Steelers fan, you're just selling them, right? Either I can do that and make a profit, or I can hold on to them. It can be butt cold, and I'll go out and watch a meaningless game with a backup quarterback play. It's not a hard decision. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, scream and bit you gotta be a better fan than stop. It's not a hard decision for anybody to make. They're they're gonna dump their tickets. It's what they're gonna do. And this could be a close to fifty fifty crowd because of it on Sunday. Or as close as we've ever seen in Ravens history, because every Steelers fan what remember in two thousand one, I spent an ungodly amount of money on tickets to drive up to New York because Cal Ripken's final game was supposed to be at Yankee Stadium. Mm. And of course, we remember 9-11 changed everything, and they, they took that week of the schedule, and they put it at the end of the year. So I wasted a boatload of money on tickets to a game that meant nothing. It was just Cal Ripken's final game at Yankee Stadium. Mm. Remember my buddy Josh and I we were freshmen in college. We were like, eh, we'll drive up anyway. Like, what the hell? I, you know, I don't think I'd ever been to Yankee Stadium at that point in my life. So it was the only time, the, the only time I ever visited the old Yankee Stadium, which was a dump. What a dump that place was. Um... And and it was a waste of money on those tickets. But that's like I was so desirous to be there for Cal Ripken's final game that I was willing to spend that type of money in order to drive up to New York. This is going to be like they are coming out of the woodwork to try to get tickets to this game. Prepare yourself for it. Get it all out of your system now. There's going to be more Steelers fans at this game on Sunday than you have ever seen before in Baltimore. It will be noticeable and we're not gonna be happy about it and we're gonna scream about it people are gonna say this is why we're bad fans stop just stop stop get over yourself not to mention when you sell those tickets you're not like wait are you a Steelers fan no but you know who's buying them you know like you you don't want to think about it you prefer to just be like whatever I'm selling the tickets right mm-hmm. but you know what the market is the market ain't Ravens fans there are not Ravens fans that are coming out of the woodwork to spend $150 on tickets to watch Tyler Huntley play football yeah. It's just not a thing. The market is Steelers fans that desperately want to be at this game. Today's show is also brought to you by... Oh, you know what? Uh, last night, Stan the Fan returned. He and Ross Grimsley caught up with Mike Devereaux. If you missed it, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video to check it out. Maryland lost last night. Towson lost too. We'll talk about it more. Patrick Stevens joins us next for our weekly College Hoops Conversation. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. You deposit up to $100 and use the code PRESSBOX, then you'll get a match of up to that $100 with your first deposit. They'll give you free money to play with. Again, just use the code PRESSBOX, underdogfantasy.com. Download the Underdog app. Underdog fantasy football for those daily and weekly fantasy games, as well as player props, parlays, things that make you feel like you are betting. Joins us every Tuesday to talk some college hoops. He is our friend Patrick Stevens at Discourse on Twitter, D1S Course, and you see him at the Washington Post as well. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm well, Glenn. How are you? How was your New Year? Uh, my New Year's was great. Uh, I know you have shared some photos of a new member of your family, and it makes me very excited because I love uh, Show Your Soft Side. It's a group that I work with all the time. And, uh, and you've got someone new, and you found out about him because of Show Your Soft Side. I absolutely did. A little fella named Jack. Uh, he's he's a, about four months old. He only has one eye, uh, but he's full of love and just a great little kitten to, to have around. To so add awesome. To, add, to my, add to my group here. That's so awesome. I've, I've only got, I'm not too crazy. I've only got three cats. <laughs> There's a lot of people have, but I'm not, I, I'm not hoarding cats or anything, I promise. Well, that's awesome, man. I have, it's given me a lot of smiles, and, and literally my wife's heart like melted looking at pictures of that little guy. So uh, that, was, that was pretty cool, you sharing that story over the course of the holidays, man. That was, uh, that was a neat thing. All right. Um, look, I, I, I saw, you know, I actually watched a, a bit of the, the Maryland game last night, and, you know, I, 
I think there are, the reaction from a lot of people is, boy, this team just seems to be a little bit different. And it ultimately didn't matter as far as the result was concerned. But particularly the play of Fats Russell, I, I don't know if it's as simple as saying a coaching change changed things, but I get why people are reacting that way. They just look a little bit different to me. They, they look a little bit different for the better at the offensive end and a little bit a little bit different for the worse at the defensive That's end. That's fair. Might be the way of putting it, right? Like, I mean, I think that when you look at what they've done, even over the two games right after Christmas, offensively, for the most part, like, they, you know, there was probably a, a stretch of that Lehigh game early on that was pretty boring for everybody. But you sort of you, – you, you chalk that up to 16 days of, of being off and all that. Uh Certainly, Fats Russell, the last two games, has been much more of, I think, what they wanted him to be. Maybe a couple, a couple extra turnovers that maybe they didn't want last night. Uh, but, but overall, he's been more like what they wanted rather than what he was in late November and early December. Uh, and so, you know, he said after the Brown game that he just felt like he had adjusted to everybody. He had taken a little time and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think that the idea, and, and certainly the idea that I thought they were going to try to roll with, was that he would be a guy that maybe didn't shoot quite as much as he had at Rhode Island. Uh, that seems to be out the window. And it seems like he's going to be a guy that, for better or for worse, is basically going to say, I'm this quick and I'm going to try to get to the basket and I'll try to stop it. And I feel like those shots for him are good. I think when he settles for outside shots, that probably doesn't work quite so well. But I think... Ultimately, what we're seeing is is that this is going to be a more assertive Russell, one way or the other, however it goes, that, that's what we're going to see moving. I don't know if it's just because they're not a very good shooting team, but it did seem, you know, and, and again, I'm not saying this unscientifically, Patrick, right? Like, I'm not, I have no data to back this up, but it does seem a lot like there are drives that just sort of end with, let's just toss the ball in the direction of the basket, um, and in and, and situations where it feels like maybe there's a defender that's collapsed and you could probably kick it out to a more open shooter. Yeah, that's, that's probably a fair point. And I think uh, there's probably a little bit of frustration that goes into that as well, probably a little bit at times last night of desperation when you're looking down at the other end and, and Keegan Murray's putting up 35 yeah. and trying to figure out just how to keep pace with him. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I mean, the guys that you would that you would think would do that, right, are, are Russell, Ayala, and Hart. Well, Ayala has become a little more perimeter-oriented here the last few games, and for good reason. I mean, he is, over his last four games, is shooting better than 50% and really kind of shaken off that early stretch where, like, you looked at the scoring numbers and thought, well, he's not off to a bad start, and then you dug into it a little deeper and just kind of watched. He wasn't quite right. And he's averaging right around 20 points a game over the last four. So he's not really what's the matter there. I think in, in some ways, maybe the more frustrating thing that I see, even more than the drives, is when they finally get it inside to a big guy, big guy, whether it's Wahab or to a lesser extent, Reese decides to put the foot, and even, and even Dante Scott at times, puts the ball on the floor, tries to dribble, and has it taken away. Yeah. And I think yeah. those are the truly frustrating moments where, where you're sitting there and thinking it would be really helpful if you would either – kick it or just take it to the basket and see what would happen. In some ways, taking that shot, even if it's off balance, even if it's just tossing it up, is better than that live ball turnover. That's a good point. That's a good point, too. You're right. And we see plenty of times where they're not even – I saw it a couple times last night where they were in not good position whatsoever but still managed to draw a foul in those spots just by going towards the basket in that situation. So I I think you're right about that. 
Um, next up, they're at Illinois on Thursday night. So, you know, a nice easy one for them. <laughs> a nice, nice simple game uh, coming off a, a loss to, at Iowa on Monday. Uh, yeah, something tells me this isn't going to go so great for yeah. them. And I think back to last year uh, when they were able to steal that game against Illinois. Right. Um, basically when the Illini forgot about Kofi Coburn being on their roster for the entire second half of that game. And I feel like, I feel like Illinois is just due to put a, you've seen enough of those close games tilt Maryland's way over the years. Even, even if you want to include Brad Underwood's game when he was at Oklahoma state against Maryland, where they, they blew the lead at home or they blew the lead in college park and Maryland was able to come back and win. Like he's due for, for either, a close win or just a flat-out whooping, one way or the other. It yeah. just feels that way. I'm curious to see how they look tonight at Minnesota, a team that has played fairly well. And Illinois hasn't played since December 22nd. So it, it, they're in kind of a spot there where it, you don't know if there's some rust that they're going to have to knock off, and they'll have an even shorter turnaround than Maryland does heading into that game. Uh, but that said, like Illinois has a Coburn, and while it's not as bad as last year, Maryland still doesn't have a guy quite like that. So no if Illinois is smart, uh, it's going to be able to do quite a bit of damage uh, just just by having that seven foot two hundred eighty five pound dude in the middle. Uh, but that said, at least Maryland has an extra day of rest compared to the Illini and has been playing at least in a little more regular intervals here than Illinois has over the last few weeks. Patrick Stevens with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. I, I watched a good bit of the Towson game last night. That that's just it seemed like a lackluster effort. Uh, as my buddy Spiro Marikas is walking into the studio, we'll talk about it with him here in a second. Um, man, and, and maybe the argument is like, hey, they, they played fairly poorly, but yet had a really good chance at the end of the game to still steal one. It just it just didn't feel like a, a, a particularly good effort last night on the road. Well... I would look at it in a few ways here. I mean, and they've had a couple of these games already this season. The San Francisco game comes to mind where you're sitting there and you're watching and you're in the middle of the second half and you're like, how in the world are they still in this? Yeah. They're sitting there within four points or so. So there's something commendable to be said about that. Yep. The things that stand out to me, there's, there's three numbers on the bad side and one on the good that stand out to me when I, when I look over the final numbers. And I watched a good chunk of the second half of that game, too. Uh, first off, the good thing is, is they had 17 offensive rebounds, which, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is Pat Scary basketball uh, right there. Uh, on the bad side, they shot 3 of 20 from 3, and Drexel shot 11 of 21 from 3. And some of those threes for Drexel were just poor uh, defensive assignments, mm-hmm. just, just simply not taking care of, of dotting I's and crossing T's at the defensive end. So Towson, I think, was 0 of its first 13 or something like that from the outside uh, and managed to still stay in the game. But Drexel's winning that game in large part because it went 11 of 21 from three. And at the other end of the floor, you know, Towson was only 8 of 17 at the foul line. So you, you, you switch a couple of those foul free throws around, and then you kind of look at those, uh, at those technical fouls there right at the end, which just the, the, the one in particular with Holden was, was right. not, not, was just right. ill-advised, Ill yep. plain and simple. Uh, you know, they're, uh, that's a game that they, they certainly had a chance to win. Uh, and if they did the things that a normal Towson team does, which is, you know, defend, uh, then they probably do win. And the interesting thing is, is that they did defend the perimeter really well. I mean, you'll take 11 to 28 from a opposing team from two any day, but uh, Okris, Five of six from three for Drexel for his 15 points, uh, and uh, you know that's 
that's kind of the name of the game right there is, is, is you can create uh, some opportunities for yourself if, if you can hit some outside shots, and Drexel did exactly that last night. As far as basketball games that are actually being played, sure. um, Patriot League got a couple of both, – both Loyola and Navy played over the weekend. I know Loyola lost a thriller, and Navy got a good win. They're both going to – they're both in line to play again tonight, correct? They are both in line to play again tonight. You know, Navy – um, got John Carter Jr. back. He missed most of that Towson game right before Christmas with an ankle injury, but they got him back. Greg Summers had a good game. I think he had 20 up at Holy Cross. So they win that game by 14. Really interesting game for them tonight. I'm going to be down at Alumni Hall. They're taking on Boston University, which is one of the top teams in the Patriot League. I mean, Navy's one of the top teams in the Patriot League, too. Uh, and I think that's going to be uh, really one of the more interesting uh, interesting games Maybe anywhere tonight, just given the number of cancellations yeah, and what have you. Yeah. And the, the the Patriot League schedule is a little quirky. Uh, Navy plays BU twice by G- January 16th and then doesn't see them again. Hmm. Uh, so this is obviously uh, an early opportunity to perhaps get a tiebreaker going for them uh, in in the in the conference race. And it's very possible you see those two teams bunched up near the top of the standings come the end of February. Meanwhile, Loyola, like you said. Forced overtime on a spectacular shot by Cam Spencer at the buzzer. Ultimately lost in overtime. They were down Jalen Andrews the other day, uh, and so you got to imagine that them getting a shot, getting to full strength whenever that does happen. Uh, that's, that's a somewhat encouraging performance. I mean, I think that they're better than that. And that was also their first game since December 12th. So coming off a break, not having one of their two best players. Still going to overtime on the road, not bad. They get that same Holy Cross team that Navy beat tonight. Uh, and, and Holy Cross has, has not been particularly good this year. 2-11 and 11 with a pair of victories over non-Division one teams. Uh, and when you kind of roll through the results, I'm seeing, let's see, three losses of the 11 by single digits. Maybe aye, this is the game Loyola. Aye, all right, all right. Hopefully that's the case for them. All right, Patrick Stevens, let's play our game. Uh, how many teams can Patrick name for these MLB players? And we've gotten, as we talked about, the, these are crapshoots that we've gotten into at this point with players that played for at least five teams. And this one, I, like, I'm just, I'm telling you, man, I, I, if, you, if you do even well on this, I, I will come, sh- I'll walk you to shake your hand on, on one like this. A one-time All-Star, was uh, finished second Rookie of the Year voting, once led the league, twice led the league. No, sorry. Once led the league in stolen bases, twice led the league in caught stealing. So that's a very different thing. <laughs> Seven teams for Scott Pedsednik. Scott Pedsednik. I told wow. you, I know how brutal of an ask this is. I'm you know, aware. You know, I thought this was going to be Tony Womack, actually. Oh, you know what? Tony Womack is on my list of guys we haven't gotten to. If you All knew right, the names well. of guys we haven't gotten to, by the way. Okay. Like at one point we're gonna have to do Randy Win. At one point we're like the oh, list boy. of guys that that you know are qualify for this that we haven't gotten to. Yes, is it's a bad list, bro. Well, it's I a feel really like you're gonna list. have to stretch yourself back to guys that were playing primarily in the '70s that yeah. got themselves. In, in, we, we can try definitely. Joe Negro if you want. We can try that one. I mean, I'm I'm game for it. All right. Do you want Do you want to switch? All right. All right. Today, All right. We'll do today, Scott Pitsednik. All, right. All right. Okay. Well, let's get the two easy ones out of the way. Scott Pitsednik was a White Sox and a Brewer. He most certainly was. That's six years of his career. Believe it or okay. not, there's another multi-year stop in which he played a total of 19 games. <laughs> oh, God. I don't. I don't know. It was the beginning of his career. That's what it was. The beginning of his career. Okay. Beginning of his career. Okay. Um, 
All right. This really is a hard one. Oh, I, right. I know. I know. This is, this yeah. is pretty brutal. Um, Scott Pudsednik, in his many, many stops. For, I got five more stops for yeah, Scott I, Pudsednik. Yeah, trust was he, me. Was he a Met? Never a Met, no. Okay. But a Boston Red Sox, um, right? Definitely a Boston Red Sox. 100% he was with the okay. Boston Red Sox. Was he a Brave? Not a Brave, no. Not a Brave, okay. How about a red? No, not a red. Man, yeah, I this yeah. This isn't well, okay, going too you can well. still go over 500 if you manage to pull one out of your your hat right here. You can well, still Well, it feels like I should just go with my gut and say the Dodgers. There you go, right? 4 of 7. You went 4 of 7 on Scott Pinsedic. Did, did he have a Padres in there? Am I thinking Not he a pa- he was he was a Rocky briefly. Um he was a Royal for a season and okay. he began his career with two seasons in Seattle. Two seasons okay. in Seattle, in which he played a total of 19 games during the course of those two seasons. So that's you know, it's it's sort of a what it is. You know what? Just because um, you know, we 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 need to go, we need to clean this up nicely. We don't, we don't even need to get, get, challenge me here. I'm feeling all right. I'm you want good. okay? All right. Hang on. Then I'll then I'll go this route. Um, of course, everybody knows one of them, but I will give you instead only a one-time All Star was a World Series champion and MVP of the ALCS, won a gold glove at one point. Give me the four teams from Mike Boddicker. Mike Boddicker was an Oriole. Of course. A Red Sox. Yep. Okay, so this is a little harder. Was um Oh was I he in Kansas Yep, he in of Kansas course. City? Of course he was. This was the one I didn't know. The one in he finished his career in ninety three somewhere and I did not know this one. Do you know was it's he an Angel at the end? It wasn't the Angels. Was he a White Sox? No, it was the Brewers. I don't remember okay. that at I all. I don't remember that either. I have no memory of Mike Boddicker ending up with the Brewers in 1993, where he was 3-5 and five with a 5.67 ERA during the course of 10 starts before it was all over for Mike Boddicker. All right, sir. Still what, the last 20-game winner, right? Uh, still the last – exactly right. Still the last 20-game winner. And obviously was critical, critical in, uh, in 1983 to them winning the World Series. No debate about that. Uh, what's the schedule got for you this week? <laughs> the schedule. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. Changing, right? I get it. I get it. So, so I mentioned earlier, I'll be at I'll be at uh, I'll be at Navy tonight. They're facing Boston U. Uh, Going to probably go see Daryl Morsell's homecoming of sorts on Friday. Marquette comes to Georgetown. Okay. Assuming Georgetown's playing, they haven't played since December 18th. Uh, and then, uh, sort of banking on there actually being games with teams that have lost their most recent ones. The options on Sunday, on Saturday include GW at home. They just, they've lost their last three or four games. Not lost. Right, they just haven't played or them, lost, right? But yeah. they haven't played. Yeah. George Mason, which just uh, had its game canceled the other for this week against Rhode Island, they play St. Joe's, or supposed to play St. Joe's on Saturday. And UMBC scheduled to come off of its COVID pause against UMass Lowell on Saturday. It could, it's sort of a dealer's choice. What's yeah, yeah, the last right. game standing right. at that? Point? Find out who actually plays, and we'll go. And then that. on Sunday, uh, unfortunately, I thought that Towson, Towson was supposed to play at three thirty. I thought against Northeastern, they so. could have made a doubleheader with it. And Wisconsin at Maryland at seven thirty, but Towson's at four thirty, probably to not go head to head with the Ravens or something like that. Yeah. So uh, Wisconsin and Maryland seven thirty Sunday night. Uh, game time just announced uh, yesterday. All right. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, Washington Post to see his stuff. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, all right? Awesome. Take care, Glenn.
Patrick Stevens checking in with us to talk college hoops every week. Spiro, how well would you have done on Scott? How many would you have gotten for Scott Pedsednik of his seven teams? One. Yeah, yeah. That was, I think I would have gotten the two. I you know, Oddly, I do remember him as a Red Sox, so I would have gotten the three. I would have gotten three. I would have remembered the Brewers, the White Sox, and the Red Sox. I, and that I, would be I don't know why I remembered Colorado. I have no idea why you would remember that. That doesn't make a lick of sense. I have zero memories of Scott Pesednik as a Colorado Rocky. Spiro Marikis is here. He is, of course, a friend of ours, despite the fact that uh, he disrespects the greatness of Kokomo by the Beach Boys, which is not the terrible song that you think that it is. Um, we still, I still like this man a great deal. Of course, the uh, legendary play-by-play voice of Towson Athletics. You, do you know the, your total number of games to, to this moment? Uh, it's... 1700 range okay all right somewhere it's somewhere there. in that neighborhood do you yeah. so you i remember them doing a thing for a thousand right you're do you know when 2000 would be for you i haven't done no you don't know the math you haven't done any of that all right fair I enough done the math. fair enough i'm just hoping to get the 1800 fair enough i get that uh spiro is here i got plenty of things i want to talk about to him i got about. some things too oh do you i do Oh, boy. Like things that you've seen me say that you want to? No, no, no. Something I saw this morning. Okay. That, and it's happened, it happens every five years, and it boggles my mind why nobody brings it up, that they're wrong. Do you, wait, do you want to tease it? Do you want to give a, the old fat? Yeah, of course, Spiro, for those of you who don't know, of course, Spiro is a longtime sports talk host in town as well. This just, people can't do math. We're going to talk about this. I I don't know where you're going, but I'm excited about it, because math is a... Math is a problem. It's a real it problem. It's a problem. I'm not good at it either, but we'll talk but about that. But this isn't hard math. This is easy math. Well, who's saying that? You work for like a science I, I'm company. Telling you, like, I I'm don't... telling you, this is about as simple math as you can get. You know, Stein and I got into a fight a couple weeks ago about math. Like legitimately a fight. Really? A fight about math. Who won? I don't... I mean, I don't he's, see any black he's, eyes on he's in good shape now, man. Like he's gotten. God, I haven't uh, seen Gary seen, in a long time. He came out for a Towson game recently. He came out the night we were collecting coats. And he he didn't was at the come game. Come over and say hello. I, you know, it's kind of a jerk move on his part, yeah. right? Like he just sort of slunk in because they were playing uh, Greensboro was coming to UMBC on the Thursday of right. that week. So yeah. he's like, well, I wanted to go just scout them a little bit. He sort of just sort of snuck in. He didn't tell me he was coming. Did he pay? I hope. Oh, I, you think there's I any chance it. of that? You no. think there's any chance of no. that being true? No chance. No. All right, we're going to talk about math with Spiro Marikas next. He's here. Today's show is also brought to you by uh, CCBC. I'm going to use the words tuition-free. They're important when I do this read. File them away. If you need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, maybe you want an IT certification, CCBC, continuing education, is the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field, and it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com 
The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com Slash Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Every game day presented by Glory Days Grill. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. Man, it's always good to have our friend Spiro Marikas here in studio with us. Uh, Spiro, of course, longtime Towson play-by-play voice, was a... Uh, a talk show host, and indeed at one point at the uh, the old radio station that doesn't exist anymore, um, even as well he was there. It's not? No, I don't know what it is. Who, who would possibly know? How, how would any human being know what's going on there? How would anybody on the planet have any clue what's I going on at that place? I get know. that still from people sometimes. Like, hey, do you know what's going on? Like, who, you know why you're asking me that question? Because you don't listen. <laughs> nobody knows. No one has a clue. I don't have any better clue than you do. Like right. now, speaking of not having a clue. Yes, math. The Orioles today. Mm. I think it was today. Thirtieth anniversary. It's mm. not. It's yeah. the thirty-first. It's there. So okay, we can do this math. It's the thirtieth anniversary. It's the thirty-first season. What do you mean thirtieth anniversary? No, it's the thirty-first anniversary. April will be the thirtieth anniversary of the first game. No, it won't April, be thirty-one. No, ninety-two. It's the thirty-first season. It's the this will be the thirty first season at Camden Yards. Correct. But it will be thirty years to the day 
of the first game. The first game was 92. So 2022, subtract 1992, you end up with 30. 30 no, years. No, no, because you've got to count 92. But that's, so it's you're 31. Doing, you're doing the math for what season it is. It's the 31st season. Wait a minute. If Okay. Today is January 4th, 2022. 2022. Yes. Okay? Let's say I was in here... <laughs> On January 4th, 2017, uh-huh, okay? Uh-huh, yes. You say that's the five-year anniversary of me being here. No, it's the six-year anniversary because it's 17, you're 18, 19. So you're counting. I, I, You've got to count 17. It, uh, you count. You believe your first wedding anniversary is the day you got married. No, because that's uh, one year from uh, when I got married. Uh, that's why the math works. The, the, the wording, it's a weird thing to do. It's strange for them to recognize the anniversary. What they really sh- the Ravens did this at, at one point. with like It's the 31st year of baseball at Camden it's Yards. It's the 31st season yes. that they've played baseball at Camden Yards. It is the 30th anniversary of the first game that they played at Camden Yards. Will be whatever. I don't know what the date of the first game was in 90. The Rick Sutcliffe game, the 2 nothing game it's, against the Indians. It's stupid. I, I, the, it is weird. It's weird that you would choose to recognize the anniversary instead of the season because the anniversary like doesn't go all season long right like there's there's one anniversary of the first right, game right you only get to do that once right for them to say we're going to celebrate it They're all year celebrating long 30 seasons at camden yards they should have done it last year correct the 30th season of camden yards was last season correct. that part is correct i am correct. with you on that and all it's right. something that people get wrong that, that like the ravens they had a major faux pas with this celebrating like the the day that they announced the team name they sent out like a whole tweet about it being the whatever, and I'm like, that, that, no, no, that's not the thing. This might be the 25th season of Ravens football, but it ain't the 25th anniversary. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's- I, I have a Derek Mason jersey hanging in my closet that okay. I got in 2005. This is Paul, by the way. I should have introduced Paul. you. Paul, this nice is nice nice I just realized Paul's, Paul's new. Uh, it's newish, new since you've yes. been here the most recent time. Um, so the Derek Mason jersey hanging in my closet I bought in 2005, but it has a Ravens 10-year patch on it uh, for their 10th season. Even though they, their first year was 1996, it has their 10 season patch on it. Even well, though, but that's right. If it was right, 2005, that, that, that's and, correct. And that's that right. math is correct. 2005 but was their 10th season. Correct. It has been 30 years since Camden Yards opened its doors. So right. I agree. I agree with both of you. But I get. I, I get it makes what both sense. Of you it saying. makes sense to celebrate the anniversary of the first game. Mm-hmm. The first game. This would be the 30th anniversary of that game. But in May, it's just the 30th anniversary of some random game that happened. To Spiro's point, last right. year, all season long, was the 30th season that they had played baseball at Camden Yards right. and might have been more sensical if you were going to do a year-long celebration to celebrate the 30th season than to celebrate the 30th anniversary of one game for an entire season. Which I was at sitting in the very last club section down the right field line, and it sucks. Those seats Oh, were down, all the way down there? All well, the remember, they, the that's right what they turned line. into the... Um, like the party area uh, at one it, point because they, they what, nobody what, wanted what, them. What area again were you sitting in? I was in the last club seat down the right field line closest to the warehouse. Those seats are terrible. You can't yeah. see half the field. It, Camden Yards has a serious issue with their right field seating. If you see, if you sit in right center field on the bleachers right next to the scoreboard, mm-hmm. if you're more than three rows up, you can't see right field. Right. Uh, oh, the, yeah, the, that's the, for sure. There's a serious issue there, and that's why I like PNC Park, because they have the same scoreboard type of thing, but they angle the seats so you can well, see all the, the field. The, the seat angling at Camden Yards has forever been a problem. Yeah. Like, that yeah. you get so far, even down either line, even down the like the third uh, the third base side, 
at some point you have to twist your and contort your entire body mm-hmm. into actually and be very uncomfortable to actually see what's going on. That's existed from day one. I never understood. Like, there's lots of wonderful things about Camden Yards. No, Don't no get question. me wrong, no right? Question. But like, my we're God. very fortunate to have that. No, ballpark. no question. No, but there've always been a few of those. Spirit, things. Let me ask you a question. When the Orioles celebrated 60 years since the inception of the franchise in 1954, when they celebrated that in 2014, was there an issue with you for that? Yes. Okay. It's uh, it is, remaining consistent. He's not. He's not wrong about I, this. I know he's not. It's, I know he's it's not. a weird thing to do. They it's just weird. do it because the the end numbers are the same. Right. Correct. And they they sit. It's we do. It the, looks nice. By the way, we've we, uh, we've done things like this, especially during the pandemic. All we really had to write about was anniversaries. <laughs> like I think three of our covers at Pressbox were anniversaries. We were like, we'll do the 50th anniversary of the Orioles winning the 70 World Series. We can put Brooks Robinson on the cover. Okay, we'll do it. Like we did some of those things because you know there was a pandemic. Right. There wasn't a lot happening in the world of sports at that point. Anyway, but, I don't want to spend the whole time but, on me here talking but, about but it is, Orioles. It is weird, and people, but numbers. you're right that people get this wrong all the time. Yeah, we do. don't. I, my wife and I won't celebrate our anniversary all year long. Like we won't do right. that. We'll celebrate it on the date, and then we'll move on. Now, with see, our Towson lives. did it right. They had their 50th anniversary of, of football, 50th season of football. Was 2018. Their yeah. first year was 1969. So it went 69 That's the 50th to 18. That's the 50th, it's the 50th season. 50th season. Correct. Correct. I mean, it, look, maybe the Orioles. I, I don't know, and it's not worth. Maybe they were. And by the way, they're doing some good things, and I think they're doing some like cheap bleacher seats during the course of the year, which is a good thing. Like there are some good things involved with this. Um, and maybe they'd say, hey, we didn't really want to do this last year because like not everybody could come to the games. You know, it's not really a good time yeah, to do it. They do it in 2012 too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure it has more to do with math than it has to do exactly. with something like that. Anyhow, Spiro, it's good to see you, my friend. I'm glad to be here. Um, I, I was just talking with Patrick. Kind of a bummer of a performance. Like, Towson's played so well, right, this season. They've been so good. Last that, night was the worst game they yeah, played. Yeah, like and and we're in it. Right, the last and, and there's something said for that, for sure. That when you play that poorly and yet still are just good enough to, to have a chance to win it at the end, yeah. there is definitely something to be said for Missed that. Missed their first 14 three-point shots. It's amazing. They, they made went, three of their last. Did they make six. one in the first? They make one in the first. They half. made none in the first. That's half. amazing. Um, eight of 17 from the foul line and good free throw shooters missing right. free throws. Right. Uh, Nick Timberlake, who is a 80 percent free throw shooter, misses a very important one and one with about a minute to go in the game. Uh, he missed the front end of the one-and-one, and, one and, uh, Towson never, you know, it was Terry Nolan Jr., who was just uh, not only a tremendous player. He's one of my favorite but, people on the planet. Yes. Man. What I, a great, great Spirit, kid I've spent so much time trying to convince people that they need to be out there supporting this kid right now. It's Terry Nolan Jr. is everything you could ask for in an athlete. Correct. He's a hell of a basketball player, but as a human being, he's... Dude, he went out of his way to try to promote our coat drive that we were doing. He is... It's, it, I don't know. I don't know how close you and Rob are because I never know how these things work in radio. Like, but Rob Long has stories about what Terry Nolan has done for his son mm-hmm. that will make you cry. That will make you literally well, will make you cry. He's one of the favorite guys I've ever seen in a Towson uniform, from a personal standpoint, not from a athletic standpoint. And he's a tremendous athlete. But last night, tied twenty nine twenty nine at halftime. Terry and I still haven't heard yet what his injury was, but something happened to him. He did not play the first six minutes of the the second half. Drexel immediately comes out and goes on an eight nothing run to yeah. start the second half, and it was catch up from then on. And uh, you know, they, Towson took the lead briefly, but you know, first game of 
of hopefully 18 conference games. <laughs> you know, hopefully. Not a guarantee, unfortunately. No. Not a guarantee. But, uh, you know, long way to go. And this is this is a team that's that's going to be really very, hard. very good. Really yeah, good team. Really it's a really, really good team. Um, and, and look, man, you know, I next – was it next Monday is the 5 o'clock game against Hofstra? Is that the – No, it's uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, 5 o'clock game. Sunday against Northeastern. And that's then right. And Tuesday against Hofstra, and then I, we go on the road. I am intending to uh, go pick up my kids in the afternoon – bring them over to hang out and watch the game next Tuesday afternoon. That should be a great game. Hofstra's good. I mean, they beat Arkansas. They should have beaten Maryland, yep. and they should have beaten Houston. I was there for the Maryland game because that was the night we did our canned food drive down there, and like they definitely should have beaten right. Maryland. And they had night. Houston on the ropes, too, and Houston, I think, scored five points in the last 30 seconds to tie it and go to overtime and then beat them in overtime. Speedy Claxton. He was a hell of a player, man. My God, he was a hell of a player. I'll never forget talking to Maryland fanatics that I knew when – when Hofstra played Maryland when Speedy was okay. uh, junior, I think, and I said, he's going to be the best guard on the court. And they were like, get out of here. Some guy from the America East isn't going to hit. And he man. was. My he was the best God, guard on the court. that dude could play. Made it to the NBA, obviously. Now the like, head coach. So um, you, you, of course, have seen plenty of things over the years at Towson. This, it's been a drought now with the NCAA tournament. It feels like at this point probably the most. I guess maybe winning a lacrosse national championship would be pretty significant. And hell, they were, yeah, maybe, maybe at the, the foot there was a chance to win a football championship a few years ago. But it feels like this is the thing, right? Like getting back to the NCAA tournament <laughs> yes. really does feel like it's the thing at yes, this point, it right? Does. It does. I mean, the, fo- the the football team went to the championship game in thirteen. Uh, lacrosse made it to the final four, and God, the years run together. It was sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, uh, up at. Um, uh, Foxborough, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's been such a long time, and, and the thing is, not even playing in a championship conference game, right? You know, right? Um, Especially in the years they were in Baltimore and the Benjamin team, right? The Benjamin like, team lost a semifinal game to to William and Mary at the buzzer. Yeah, Terrell missed a shot in the lane at the buzzer. Um, you know, I thought that was going to be the year. And I'm starting to think this might be the year. Although the CAA has been better than expected. Uh, looking at the Sagarin ratings this morning, tied with the Ivy League as the number 14 conference in the country. Um, they're better than expected. William & Mary, who has been dreadful. I mean, Glenn, dreadful. I watched a couple of their games against Old Dominion, and I uh, can't even remember who the second one was, but they were just terrible. They win their first two conference games against Hofstra and Northeastern. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's crazy when you get in the conference place. So. And obviously it's also further compounded by like not knowing who's available for each game. Which right. Is like last night we did not have Antonio Rizzuto, who's our fifth leading scorer yep. and probably our second best defender. So And I get that know. like injuries are part of every season. But sure. this is beyond that, clearly. What you're dealing with right. now is that like there's if you got enough healthy bodies, you're playing. Correct. We gotta get the games in. Correct. I, you know, I don't care if you're missing three of your top four guys. See, like, what I'm afraid is gonna happen with a lot of schools is coaches are gonna start playing games. Like just sort they're of say, have enough guys, but they're going to be like, eh, you know, I've, I've, it's the, we're saying the quiet part out loud, but I assure you, it's a thought yeah. that's crossed my mind as well. I yeah. assure you, I have thought about that. Like, ah, sorry, we only have five guys available. Right. We we don't meet the threshold because it's a specific couple of guys that aren't available exactly. for the game. Exactly, or it's an opponent you don't want to face. Yep, I am. I, again, it's not, you're not supposed to say that, but I assure you, Spiro, I have had the exact same thoughts. Yeah. About I mean, how last the night there go. were supposed to be four conference games in the CAA, and we were the only ones that played. Um, wow. The other three were canceled. I know there was one of them was a TV game too. Another there was supposed well, to be a second game so, on CBS last oh, night. Oh, there was. I didn't yeah. know that. I yeah, there was supposed that. to be like a six and then I was an eight happy o'clock six game. o'clock game last night. I got home 
if pleasant hour, right? Yeah, You're able to go to work exactly. today, 100%. Yeah, I don't mind the six o'clock. I, you know, even when it when I do like, but Steve, just, you know, Scott Graham and Donnie Marshall weren't there. They were, they were I, doing remote. I that it's mm, there's two things that are infuriating. Well, and I like Scott Graham. I want to make that very clear. He's an incredible broadcaster, right? He's done many things. That mm-hmm. he can't say the word Towson still. Well, I didn't see it. So I, I know you're doing your own. It was of course Towson all night. Towson all night. I don't. Yeah, why? As a as a broadcaster, and I'm not even I'm not Scott Graham. I want to make I'm not Spiro. You know what I mean? Like you know, he's the voice of the NFL. Correct. He's I've listened to him on West. He's John Fassenden now. A hundred percent, and he's very good. Right. This is not me knocking Scott. And he's done a million Towson games. I don't understand. And you could say, well, it's a it's a a regional, it's a Philly thing. Like I don't know people from Philly that that pronounce every S as a Z. Why Philly accents are. Much like Baltimore, correct. Accents. I've never heard. I don't get why Towson is so difficult, and more than anything, I don't get why you're a high-level broadcaster that wouldn't make sure you have it right. Did I tell you when I ticked off the North Dakota State people? No, and they they have me on no. their the uh, on their network often. Uh, I don't. After the first time, I didn't think they'd ever have me back, and they said to me before as we were starting. Now it's Towson, correct? And I said yes. We pronounce our S's properly, unlike you in North Dakota State who oh, can't no. say the word bison and call them bison. bison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we do it in Baltimore with T's. Like, it's yeah, not I like know. we're not well, without yeah. faults. Like, no one has ever said Baltimore in, no. in Baltimore. Right, exactly. Like, exactly. What, you, what, you? Do you actually pronounce it Baltimore? Baltimore, yeah. I, 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 my, Are you from here? I'm from here, Harford County, my entire life, but it's Baltimore. I, I, you, are, you are the one. I, Congratulations I got, on that. There was a specific, uh, really popular radio host, and I, I didn't come after him by name, but I said, "How are you on the radio?" And you say Baltimore, and I put that Every, on. Everyone I said, does. I put that Baltimore. on Twitter, and I got, I got relentlessly ridiculed. And to some extent, I accept when something is a regional thing, right? Like I spent a lot of time in Louisville in my life because mm-hmm. my my uh, wife's got family down there. So when we were dating, she was like, "I want," and she's a horse person. She's like. I've never been to the Kentucky Derby, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to go do my show from the Kentucky Derby, right?" Like, and I why I, not? My, why wouldn't I? It's a great, it's a great place to be, and we got access to a lot of things. Did she you wear know? a hat? Oh, did she ever? Did she? She would go get this dumbest hat that you could ever possibly imagine. <laughs> she was so excited. She like made me wear a seersucker, like the whole thing, right? We did it for years, and it was great. I loved it. You know, I really genuinely, it, it it's something I would encourage. If you don't have to be, I'm not really a horse racing person either. But the atmosphere there, and it's so wildly different than the people that say, I would never go back to Preakness. I'm done with that. It's a different animal altogether in Kentucky. It's just a different experience. So I loved it. But it made me say, like when I was down there, I would get looks for saying Louisville, which to our understanding is how you pronounce the town's right. name. Right. But there, it sure as hell ain't Louisville. Right. You, you know you're not from there the moment you say the word Louisville. Right. Because it's Louisville. Like, that's the way it is. That's what anyone down there says the name of the town is. And if it was this type of situation that we're talking about, with, like if it was a weird thing where everybody pronounces it incorrectly here, that'd be one thing. Everybody, I don't get it. I don't get how we screw up Towson so badly. It's not hard. See how he says get, not get? Mm-hmm. 100%. That's a Baltimore that's thing. That's a Baltimore thing for sure. It's a Baltimore thing for sure. Also, right. I, th- nobody in the, on the planet knows how to pronounce Syracuse. And I mean that. No one does. It's Syracuse. Yeah. They would say they don't even know that. Like the chancellor, this is a true story. Five years ago or so, the chancellor at Syracuse said, I realize we don't have an official definition of this. Like no one has gone on record and said, this is actually how you pronounce the, the name of the town or the name of the school. 
Nobody knows. How else would you pronounce it? It's, uh, it's between Sarah or Sarah. Syracuse, Syracuse or Syracuse? It's Syracuse. Syracuse. I believe it's Syracuse. Yeah. I believe that. But people there call it Syracuse. And nobody knows if they're right or wrong. Nobody on the planet knows if they're Do right or wrong. you say syrup or syrup? That's why I would say Syracuse, because right. I say syrup, yeah. 100%, and it drives me nuts. It sounds, it's the worst I can't say thing. water. I, I, water. 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 Yeah, I get that. It's water. And of, course, and, of course, Keith Mills has never pronounced the first letter in his radio station's name correctly. And I love Keith. I'm going to make that right. very clear. I love Keith Mills, and whatever he says is accurate, because I love Keith Mills. But never in, in his life has he ever been able to pronounce the letter W. Like, it's just never happened. I guess that's a Brooklyn Park it's thing. It's 100% a Brooklyn Park thing. It's going to be WBAL until the day he dies. Right. It will never not be WBAL. And you hear it sometimes, and it's a little jarring to you, because you're like, this is one of... This is our, our our finest broadcaster. Here. That's that's the first thing it's, I learned at Towson um, in Radio One Hundred One. W W W. w. Not, but Keith Mills will die saying right. W B A L. He will die doing that, and I've just accepted at some point. I and, got something else I wanted to bring up. Oh, I had and, real. I do have real things I want to talk about with you at some point. I, I, I don't know if you want to discuss this. I don't know if you want to discuss this or yes. not. But. Last time I was here, we talked about the stupid song Kokomo. It's a great, it's a, it's a good song. It's not a great song. It's a good song, and people treat it as trash. Well, it is trash. It's not but anyway, I've got five acts that should not be in the Rock and Roll Ooh, Hall of Fame. Ooh, I was going to, okay, yes, let's talk about, oh, I love this. I love this. Five acts that should not, under any circumstances, be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That are, that are already that in, are in. That are in. That are already in. That should never okay, have been put is in. It, now, before we get to them. Is it, are we going to debate about it because it's not rock and roll? No, okay. nothing to do with that. Okay, I've got no problem. A, there's a great debate about like I've got no problem. Should Jay Z be in DMX the Dmx being in the Rock and Roll sure, Hall of right? Fame? Grandmaster Flash belongs in the Rock and right. Roll Hall Run of DMC, Fame. Run DMC, of course. Rock. Abba, I've got no problem with them being in the Rock and so Roll. So it's Hall not of about fame. their actual no. style of music. No. It's just about their qualifications. Correct. Okay. All right. Correct. I love this. Let's do this. I'm going to start off with one. Now, you probably. I might I jump know. over the yeah. Journey. Oh man. You know what's really funny about this, Spiro? I love Journey. It's what you just said. Spiro, are you willing to say how old you are? Are you willing no, to No, I'm sixty one. Okay. Spiro's sixty one. You and I are closer in age. I'm thirty eight, you're thirty seven. Seven. Everyone that experienced Journey mm-hmm. at their highest point says the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's a wildly overrated band. Mediocre. Did, just that, mediocre. That did not register. Power ballads. That's all they did. They, they didn't do anything exciting or 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 different. Yep. Uh, they were, you know, Journey, Boston, Foreigner, REO, Speedwagon, all, all, all in. Lump them right. all together. You wouldn't know which was which. Everybody that experienced Journey in that moment says the exact same thing to mm-hmm. me. Now, those of us that are Paul and I's age and, and younger didn't experience Journey in their moment. Our journey feelings are related to being at a bar where Don't Stop Believing was playing. Best thing that happened to them was the Sopranos. Sopranos, of course. 100% the Sopranos changed, but it's sort of, the nostalgia has expanded upon that. Like, if you hear faithfully somewhere and you're out in a group of people, everybody's going to belt out every word of faithful. And this is the interesting part to me, because I'm telling you, and I've wondered, like, for our generation, who that's going to be. Who's going to be the utterly dismissible act? And I, the one that comes to mind is Matchbox 20. It's just the most dismissible. Yeah, that's not Rock and meh. Roll Hall of Fame. They better not. I mean, like, there's yeah. no, they're no ways worthy of being a Rock and Roll Hall. But they, you know, you'll go back and you'll say, well, they had 20 hits, right? Like, 
At some point, somebody would, would be doing a Baseball Hall of Fame argument and would say, there's an argument for Matchbox 20 in the Rock and Roll Hall Three of Fame. Three doors down. I don't think they would ever get there, but I, I hear what you're saying. Very dismissible. Like that dismissible type of act. And I don't know what would create nostalgic feelings for Matchbox 20 at any right. point. I have no idea where that would come from, but... It's weird because everybody... Brian I, Adams. You know, Brian Adams. I, I do like Brian yeah, Adams, but, though. But I do like Brian Adams, man. But he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so... I'm not... Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in the Rock and Roll Hall no. of Fame. Separate Ways is a banger. I, 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 I don't care who you are. Separate Ways is a very good... So I actually have it on one of my lifting... Play, on a lot of my lifting playlists, Dude, I'm, I'm not gonna... I like... I love Love and Touch and Squeezing. <laughs> I love it. Did I, you mention that, that song? That is my yeah. wife's favorite song of all time. When I was... In 1979... I worked at a record store called Record Theater, okay, which was on the corner, uh, about a block inside the Beltway on Liberty Road. Okay, uh, I think it's a Rite Aid now. It had been a grocery store. It was the largest record store in Baltimore. It was a grocery store size record store. We were open from eight a.m. until midnight, seven days a week, Ooh. and we had a projection screen to play videos. This was before MTV, and CBS Records puts out this like twenty-minute video that you can put on, which features. They're bands. Sure. You know, there's like a three-minute clip of Springsteen singing Rosalita. There's the che- uh, Cheap Trick singing Dream Police. I don't okay. know why I remember all these. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Dream Police. I love, uh, God, I love Cheap Trick. I uh, can't remember the song now. Anyway, Journey singing Love and Touch and Squeezing, okay? And it was live. It was a live shot. And I remember walking by the screen the first time I ever saw it, and I looked up and I said, that is the ugliest woman I've ever seen. <laughs> Whatever happened? You're talking about Steve Perry? Yes. But I thought it was a woman. Where, where is Steve Perry right now, by the way? I, I don't know, but up. have you seen the video of him singing uh, uh, Don't Stop Believing in the Giant Game in the stands? No. During a playoff game oh, a or baseball. a World Series you know, I game. I think I did. I yeah. did see that. I did that's, see that. Because they kind of use great. it as like a rallying cry during that season. I do remember You know, that and they, they screwed him. Uh, well, I mean, but but he like he became kind of a recluse, didn't he? Like he sort of yeah. He he. I I looked him up a few months ago because I was like, why is he not in Journey anymore? Because I never really knew the story. And he said he will never go back to Journey. He'll yeah. never perform live anymore. He he does Wait, does, he, he, he does videos on Instagram this is from a, his. This basement. is not. He weirdly popped up somewhere at a random he, a band called the Eels. A few years ago, the Eels played a couple shows in D.C. and he popped up and performed with them and did Journey songs. And it, like the internet was well, freaking it wasn't out. Wasn't the story that he got ill or something? And yeah, they wanted him to go on tour, and he's like, "I'm not ready to go on right. tour." And they were like, "Screw you! We're, we're going to go find some find guy, guy on, on YouTube. YouTube." Right? Yeah, 100 percent was Can how they went about it. I got to tell you a story because you said Steve Perry. That's the ugliest mm-hmm. woman I've ever seen. You know my my incidents with my dad and his his sportsdom and all that. Um, Stan's dad is so weird that he won't watch. He loves the Ravens. Won't watch the games. Doesn't watch him. Why, doesn't does he follow get too him. Nervous? But, no, he, he gets. He's very angry about the Ravens, and he 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 thinks that that it's unacceptable that they're as injured as they are. And why is why is Bill Belichick not have as many injuries? What's wrong with the Ravens? Like he's just he's very angry about okay. the Ravens. He's a doctor, by the way. He's a doctor. Um, but so my dad, I was I was at his house for the weekend last year when Notre Dame and Clemson played, and Trevor Lawrence was injured. Mm-hmm. And they kept showing Trevor Lawrence standing on the sidelines. And about halfway through the game, my dad says to me, Paul, who is this woman that they keep showing <laughs> on the TV right now? And I was like, that's going to be the number one pick yeah, in the right. draft. That's Trevor right. Lawrence. Yeah, I know. he's pretty significant. <laughs> pretty significant <laughs> fellow. All right, about. number All right, two. Journey was one. Number two. Look, for me, they're Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, okay. that's the way it is. But I, right. I, what you're saying, I'm telling you, I have talked to any number of people 
that that lived through the journey phenomenon and mm-hmm. were like it wasn't a phenomenon. No, it was it nothing. It, it was wasn't. irrelevant. It was so I. It's weird. It's just weird that there's such a disconnect between younger people and people that experienced it. Number two. Yes. Patty Smith. Okay, so I get that actually. I don't really understand. What did Patty Smith ever do? I nothing. really don't understand she, the obsession. She had a cover of a Bruce Springsteen right. song. That was it. I never have her understood. music is terrible. So I feel like there is a group. She's of, a critic darling, is what she. That's is. exactly what it is. A uh, more modern version. P- critics love P.J. Harvey. You couldn't name a P.J. Harvey song right. with your life on the line. Right. You don't know anything that P.J. Harvey Harvey has done. But every time P.J. Harvey puts out a record, it's going to be on every top ten list. It's going to be on every because it's just just something about music critics that have decided this is our person. Right. This is the one. It doesn't matter what they do. Um, Arcade Fire is a modern band that's like that. Like, yeah, I never got that either. It no, makes no sense. None. Zero. It's noise. It's all it is. By the way, nobody really wants to admit this, but half of Radio's ca- Radiohead's catalog is the same way. There's half of oh, it. I agree with that. Half of it is I really good. Like you hear Karma Police, you're like, I get it. It's it's you know it's sad. It's but it's a great song. My brother is in a covers band, and they're called. Um, God, now I can't remember. Fighting Obscurity. Okay. And they play songs. That my brother's idea for this band was... Um, we play B-sides? Just, you walk into a bar and you hear the band playing, you just go, God, I haven't heard that song in okay. 20 years. All right, that, all right, all right. I'm listening to that. Like, they play some Badfinger songs. Okay, and, and okay, stuff. I get it. And they play Creep. And I keep telling him, take that out of your set. It's, it's terrible. It's, I, I, Creep is a very popular song. It's a very popular song. That's fine. That's fine and nothing more. But it's a bad song. You're sitting in a bar, you don't want to hear that. By the oh, that part I agree with 100%. Yeah. I would also say it's on the better end of Radiohead's uh, catalog. R- the majority of Radiohead's catalog is just noise. It's That's all it is. It's right. just noise. But people decided that Radiohead was this band, and once you've decided that, you can't say anything else about them. You, you just have to say it's all great. It's all wonderful because now, we've decided that's who they are. There's a band that is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that I was going to put on my f- five list but decided... Mm, Depeche Mode. I never got them. I'm not a big Depeche Mode they guy. They're so I, depressing. I get why they're you know in it because they were yeah. quite successful and popular. But I'm just never been a Depeche Mode guy. All anyway. right, number three. Yes, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh, this one's gonna be a bit of a fighting. <laughs> we're gonna have a bit of a, a brouhaha. So about Joan this. Jett and the Blackhearts have succeeded in making Tommy James and the Shondells a lot of money. <laughs> And her other hit was also a cover. I don't even know who wrote it. Um, rock and roll. I don't even know who wrote that, but it wasn't her. That. I don't know. Hang on a second. I do want to know who that is, by the way. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have you listened to Joan Jett albums? No. No, you wouldn't. No. You wouldn't. But why is she in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because the heights of her, the highest of her highs are, you know what's really weird? She's beloved by people that love punk music. People that well, love she was in a punk, punk band, music, The Runaways. Right, love Joan Jett, even to the point where she, like, she was making pop music, and they still love Joan Jett. I mean, I could make the case that The Runaways should be in the, in the Rock, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Fame before the Go Go's. Huh? Okay. okay. And she All was right. in the Rock. And she was in the Runaways, Runaways of course. But it, Joan Jett in the Blackhearts. No. I when I first got to Phoenix, like literally, I was twenty three years old, whatever I was, and I moved out to Phoenix. And that week, the radio station comes to me and says. Do you want to introduce Joan Jett the night at the Marquee Theater? And I was like, Yeah, like of course I. <laughs> okay. I mean, what kind of question is this? Like, yes, one hundred percent. I was like, Why? Nobody in town knows who I am yet. And they were like, 
Well, you know, we saw she was from Baltimore, and you're from Baltimore, uh, so we figured really that she's not she's actually from New York, but she just she, well, she grew in, up in Silver Spring or Bethesda, whatever it was. She was an Orioles fan, and so Orioles like fan, she was right. a huge Orioles fan, so we kind of like treated her as love Jim Palmer. Yes, was obsessed with Jim Palmer, 100. Yeah. percent So I was like, okay, I'll, hell yeah, I'll go out and do it, right? And we get out there, and they're like, oh, we got great news. You're gonna get an interview too, and I'm like, all right, cool, you know, like I've I've never I never met Joan Jett, like mm-hmm. I thought that was gonna be really cool. I swear to God, I get there. And they were like, you can interview the drummer from the Black <laughs> Like, I'm going to pass. Hey, you interviewed a, you interviewed a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm going to pass. Thank you for the offer. You could have interviewed a Hall of Famer. going to pass. This isn't nearly as bad as, I. this is a true story too, when I was in Phoenix. I agreed to be the MC for, a, oh, this is not a joke, a Barry Bonds charity poker tournament that he was hosting at his house in Scottsdale. <laughs> He was hosting a charity poker tournament with the caveat being that I was going to get a 30-minute sit-down with Barry Bonds, which at the time was, I mean, like massive. Just absolutely, yeah, correct, 100%. Massive. And I was a guy that was trashing Barry Bonds, you know, regular, like, admitted he was an incredible baseball player, but was a piece of crap, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and yet I was, I was willing to go do it, right? I'm like, you're telling me I'm going to, like, you swear to God, I'm getting 30 minutes of Barry Bonds. Yep, he's going to sit, come in, he's going to sit down, uh, everybody's going to start playing poker, he's not actually participating in the tournament, then he's going to get up and come out and you'll get 30 minutes with him. I'm like, man, this is, this is massive, you know, like, this is a big deal. And I'm like plugging it on the radio, it's a big deal. On come Monday, I'm going to have a 30-minute sit-down with Barry Bonds. I get there. I do all the stupid stuff. Everyone there is a prick. Like, <laughs> every person at this event, including, like, I, I, I had heard all these wonderful stories about Chili Davis. Chili Davis was the biggest jerk. Like, I, so these were all baseball players? These were all baseball players that were there. One of the most heartbreaking things, I was an obsessed Kenny Lofton fan. We were just talking about that this week. Kenny Lofton was a complete jerk to really? me. Really? Like an utter jerk to me. But I don't allow those things to impact the way that I view, you know, athletes. Like, you know, it happens. Whatever, all's good, right? So um, we get to it. I, I introduce, you know, and now the, the the reason why we're all here, here's Barry Bonds. And it's a small, I mean, like, it's in its, it's, in its house, mm-hmm. legitimately. It's a small event, but he's got enough room for there to be like 100 people in this in this room playing poker. And everybody claps. And I say, all right, we're going to deal up and, and enjoy your night, and then I'm going to duck out and go interview Barry Bonds. So I go into the next room. I got, this is 2006 or so, so right. like the recording for a radio interview, I brought a couple microphones and a you know an, an eight-track recorder type of deal. Like mm-hmm. We got the whole thing set up. All's ready to go. And then his PR person walks in. All right, so it's not going to be Barry, but what if we told you that we could get you Chili Davis? <laughs> 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 I get up, I just walk out. <laughs> like, well, we still need you to. I'm like, no, no. not a chance no. in effing hell that this is going to be a thing. Sheepishly, I have to go into my program director and say, so about that Barry Bonds one on one that I promised. About that. Barry would have so backed out from that. Of course he did. And, but there's no chance he ever agreed to it. Right. 100% a right. PR person exactly. said, I need somebody to do this. I don't want to pay somebody. So how could I, right. you know, uh, and just said, maybe I'll knows? sucker him. Right. And and maybe even in her mind, she was like, well, maybe I'll say to Barry, go do this interview and he'll, he'll go yeah, do he'll it. Say, right. Yeah, like yeah. maybe. And there was no, ch- no if she chance. Works and it's look, to Barry it's on no me. Chance. Trust me. It's on me that I ever thought it was going to happen because I was 24 years old or whatever I was. And I was an idiot that thought that I, you know, that was something that was ever going to occur. That would not happen. Some The same scenario in 2022 would not occur. Somebody would say to me, oh, we'll get you an interview with Barry Bonds. I'd say, 
and we'll do that first. (laughs) (laughs) That will be the way that will go. We'll do the interview, then I'll do anything you'd like. Until you get that, nah, not going to happen. All right, next Number four. Yes. Roxy Music. I don't get it. I've never understood it. I've never. That's Brian Adams to me, right? Like, I don't get Roxy Music at all. I mean, they they what? were they were okay. That eternally okay. There's nothing that what has the critics loved Brian Ferry. What has stood the test of time though? Related nothing. to Roxy Music. Love and love is a drug. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing has been relevant over the. Uh, I one thousand percent agree with you with Roxy Music. Now, my favorite band. Of, well, second favorite band of all time. It's a band called Squeeze, which I, nobody squeeze, knows. No, Squeeze is great. And Chris Difford, who is one of the main guys of Squeeze, okay. actually, they had broken up. I would up have known and, that. And spent like a year as Brian Ferry's, was supposed to be his, come in and write lyrics for him. Okay. He ended up being his chauffeur for a year. <laughs> really? He did not have nice things to say That's about Brian funny. Ferry. That's pretty funny. But anyway. And number five, and I was torn between. If two. you guys don't know, Sque- Squeeze did "Tempted." Is they like "Tempted" by? Uh, I know it's probably not a song. Paul I, Carrick, yeah, only sang two Squeeze songs in his whole life, and "Tempted" was really? one of them. Oh, yes, great song. Paul Carrick is a guy who's had top ten hits. He was the lead singer for Mike and the Mechanics. Oh man, he sang I "Tempted" with Squeeze, and then he had hits on his own. Uh, it was in a band called Ace with a song called "How Long." Okay. Okay, I don't, so I don't think I know that Paul song. Carrick's had a great career. Nobody knows who the hell he it's is. Interesting. That's really interesting. Number five was was between this band and Traffic. Oh, I don't get the Traffic thing at all. And I decided to go with the other band, who happened to be inducted the same night as Journey at the Barclays Center. And my wife was there because my wife is like the world's biggest Pearl Jam fan. Oh, so okay. All she right. went right. to go see Pearl Jam get inducted. I've seen them too many times. Are those induction ceremonies really worth it, by the I way? I didn't go. She went with my sister-in-law. Did she? Like, oh, she it? loved it. She all was right, in heaven. Right. She was in heaven. Everybody always talks about the jams at the end, and that's the reason. Yeah. ELO. I, boy. Boy, are we in lockstep on this one. Forrester ran a bus trip to an ELO show a couple years ago. I saw them in 1980. They were horrible. So they got back together. They didn't get back together. Jeff, Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn. Right, correct. Got Jeff a bunch Lynn. of musicians and together. I, and I think, by the way, even said it was Jeff Lynn's ELO. Correct, is correct. exactly how it was advertised. So Forrester calls me, like, freaking out, man. He's like, dude, we're going to do a bus trip. And I'm like, all right. You know, I'm always, I'm always up for, for, you know, doing something. And he's like, we're going to go to Philly. I'm like, okay. He's like, we're going to go see ELO. And I said, pass. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What? And by the way, I also didn't know that they were, like, playing the arena. In, like, they were playing the, 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 the Flyers arena in Philadelphia. I'm like, really? there's that much interest in ELO? Like, really? Really? Well, as John Lennon once called them, Son of Beatles. Oh, boy. Oh, I didn't know. I actually didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Called him Son of Beatles. Because that's basically... Jeff Lynn was a Beatle fanatic. Okay. He went on to produce... The, when they came back and did the anthology, he, the Free as right, a Bird and right. uh, Real Love. Right. Much to Paul McCartney's chagrin. Although McCartney had him produce his next album, which was called... Um, a flaming pie. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. And that one was pretty good, actually. You know, and Jeff Lynn was in with George Harrison, and yeah. he produced Cloud Nine, the album for George Harrison, and then was part of the Traveling Wilburys. Um, but I, I just don't get it. They, they, a bunch of 
okay songs. Never going to make me understand that, A bunch man. of okay songs. Nothing, That's it. nothing that stands out in any way. Nothing that ever made me think, like, this is why I would go to an arena to watch these guys play. How many commercials has Mr. Blue Sky been None. No, a million. No. A million. Every time you turn around, you hear Mr. Blue Sky. All right, so here's my problem with, with this. If I'm going to go see a band in, in an arena, mm-hmm. right, in, in a venue that large, right. Your songs have to be so anthemic, like so that the experience overwhelms. It's just a horrible way to see a show, right? In a in a in a in a building that big. Imagine a stadium. You know what I mean? Like the good thing about being a squeeze fan, they never play anywhere. Correct. It's not not going to play a venue that big. But like, I'll go see ACDC in a large venue, right? Because when you go see ACDC. You're gonna feel something. You'll go Every, see Springsteen in an arena. We go see Springsteen. Arena, I've been to right? see Pearl Jam a dozen course, times course, in an arena. Because you know, even, and everybody's even, screaming and singing. Exactly. Exa- you go to the right. show. Nobody's standing up and singing. You know, uh, oh, oh, telephone line. Well, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't know why that would ever be something. That, and people were paying. Like, Florister was charging like two hundred some bucks for this bus trip to go up to Philadelphia. I'm like, who's doing this? If they were in my backyard, I'd close the blinds. My God! I mean, I'd probably watch. <laughs> I'd close a blind. I'd probably watch. I'd say we're, we're in agreement. We're in agreement on on that one. We are a hundred percent in agreement. You're on, right. You you have to have. I, I mean, even Journey. Yes, to get away with it, right? Like Everybody you would sing, sing along. Don't it, stop. Feel like you were experiencing yeah, right. a moment when you went and saw a Journey show. There's a million bands that you'd be like, I I don't I don't really want to pay this price to see them, but I would go, right. Even like as as downtrodden as some Billy Joel songs can be. The 20 Billy Joel songs that you're going to see in an arena are totally, you will experience, you will Correct. have yourself a night. Correct. You will have the time of your life, and then you'll have to mix in a couple times where it's going to be, you know, you're going to sit down and you're not going to feel the vibe, because you'd still like those songs too, because it's Billy Joel that we're talking about, right? Like Because I worked at that record store, yeah. I, I was able to see millions of bands. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of concerts. Sure. The best moment of my life at a concert was 1989. Okay. December 18th, 19th, 1989 at Madison Square Garden. Okay. I bought a ticket out of the USA Today. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's, well, that's, you are old. Yeah. <laughs> to see Paul McCartney. Okay. And when he sang Hey Jude, Dude. which he had never sang live before. You're going to get goosebumps. The place, uh, I, I mean, you. I had tears streaming down my face. Everybody around me had tears streaming. That's what you see. Again, you don't go see... Oh, oh, telephone line. I don't. I can't at the Capitol Center. I couldn't imagine that. I, what are you doing? I couldn't imagine being in an arena for something like that. My God, it would be awful. Yeah. It would just. Oh, it would suck. So, so those much. are my five. That's a, I, I, this is not an exercise. Next time you're here, I'm going to give you five too. That would be great. All right. I'm going to give you five that I don't okay. think should be in there. Okay. Um, what do you think? There, so Spiro Maricus is here for another couple minutes. We got to let him. <laughs> this, this hour just flies by. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. What should the Ravens do on Sunday as far as recognizing Ben Roethlisberger's final game? Put his picture up there and say, good luck in the future. He's an opposing play. I, you know, That's, I'm, in a, I'm in a weird spot with this, right? Because... Gary Baxter, we just put Gary Baxter on. Of course, Gary Baxter, I love Gary Baxter, mm-hmm. right? And, and we put him on because he was famously the guy that knocked out Tommy Maddox that, that right. created Ben Roethlisberger, right? And and he became the next guy that said, man, I, I, I just think it would be great if Ravens fans gave him an ovation at the end of the game. I'm like, bro, bro, 
It's not. Well, I, I, I have no problem with them putting his picture up on the video board and, you know, everybody congratulate thanks, Ben Roethlisberger thanks, ben, on a great career. Everybody stand up like and that. cheer for a minute, you know, middle of the I first quarter. I, I, don't, you know. I don't think you're going to get. Now, here's where I do think things have swung. Because the game is essentially irrelevant for the Ravens, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be an ungodly number of Steelers fans at the game on Sunday. I think it will be unlike anything we've seen in Baltimore. I think that there will be Steelers fans that will pay any amount of money to be at this game. And Ravens How many fans, people were there last week? Oh, it was there was plenty of empty seats last week. There was pl- I was talking about hey, we I, were I, just talking there were plenty of people that were dumping tickets on You woke up on Sunday morning and wanted to go to a Ravens game, you had your cho- you could have probably sat in a lot of places for free. If you just woke up on Sunday morning and scoured social media, scoured the internet, and there were a litany of people that were just like, I just don't feel it. And the weather wasn't even all that bad on no, Sunday. No, the weather was not weather bad was, at all. It was nice. I don't I haven't looked at the weather for this Sunday. I guess this is part of the exercise that we should I do. I think it's supposed to rain. Rain and cold? I think. God, God, the absolute worst combination of things. My it, 45 degrees and rain, you would 1,000% rather just have 30 degrees in snow at that point. 45 degrees and rain is just the most awful well, Mine way. says 46 degrees and rain. That's, that sounds like I don't have any interest in being there. That's right. exactly what it sounds like. And once I start seeing that there is a market for my tickets, and there is a market for your tickets right now, the cheapest get-in at the moment is 130 bucks. Well, then it's Pittsburgh fans. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a boatload of Pittsburgh fans. And as the week goes on, there are going to be more Ravens fans who say, this team, especially if Lamar Jackson can't play, right? Like, and There's every reason to think that's the case. You can watch a backup quarterback play in a meaningless game, or you could dump your tickets for real money. Right. It's going to be a dump. There's just going to be a thousands upon thousands of tickets that are going to get dumped In which this case... Week. If that's the case, if if uh, if I work for the Ravens and I walk into the stadium and I see thirty thousand black maybe and gold, I, maybe I don't put that thing I up don't on, put the anything on the screen. Yep, <laughs> I don't just say <laughs> like would bell we don't need to bring we don't need to bring attention to what's going <laughs> no, on no, here. No. We don't need to do any of that. It's a weird it's a weird spot because I do probably line with you, which like th- this is the Ravens. They've been a largely a classy organization over the years. It seems like the right thing to do to recognize. You know, this is the final time we'll right. face Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think it needs to be over the top. I don't think you need to give him a rocking chair. I don't think you need to do anything like but that. But do we know that's definite? I, the, I mean, I don't know. When I, I saw his press conference, he didn't say, yes, I'm retiring. So it's so funny. I, we talked about this yesterday. Khan was on yesterday, and we were talking about that. And I was like, dude, the way he's using I don't speak in absolutes absolutely makes me think that, like, he's not. He doesn't. He has not fully decided this yet. What happens but, if he comes back as the backup in the for the Miami Dolphins, so, and he happens to come into M and T back? So that is. The, it's it's the weird part of it, right? The we I last night. Did you watch any of that last night? No, I was driving home from. Oh, home. right, because you yeah, exactly, hundred percent. He really did look like a guy who was done. He really did. At the end, it was the first time I looked at. I this was head. listening to the game, and he threw thirty-four passes in the first Dude, he half. A, he hit a two-point-seven yards per yeah, attempt. Yeah, like ninety-six average. yards for thirty-four. God, it was so oh. bad. You're so lucky you didn't watch that football game last night. It was so atrocious. Um, I actually flipped over and watched some of the Maryland basketball game because the ba- game was so bad last oh, night. Oh, they're looking good. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched all the Towson games. Boy, I wish Towson could have played them this year. Uh, yeah, that would have been a really good chance to pick off a victory, wouldn't yeah. it? It would have been a really good chance. Um, so, so I, I'm. 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 Wa- By the way, how close are you with Loxley? I love Mike. I was gonna like like seeing. I, I got a Loxley story for you. Okay. His senior year at Towson, football yeah. season ends. He walks onto the basketball team because they needed some guys, right, for practice purposes. 
So this was the last year of the East Coast Conference. Um, Lehigh, Lafayette, Bucknell, Drexel, Delaware had all left the East Coast Conference. So who was in it? It was a hodgepodge mess. Okay. Towson, UMBC, Hofstra, Central Connecticut State. Okay. Um, the big one, Brooklyn College. Was okay. that now LIU Brooklyn? No. Nope. Brooklyn College. They no thing. longer have D1 athletics. Oh, okay. <laughs> they played on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn. Okay. In this gym that was on the third floor of a building. And I'll never forget, Mike Loxley and I are walking up the steps. We open the doors. He looks at me and he goes, and I'm going to clean it up. Yeah. This is Division One basketball? We played North Dakota State this year, and they Maryland had played Illinois football, the night before. Yeah, yeah. The night before. Mm-hmm. So, oh, on a Friday night. That's right. They played at Illinois. They were honoring Coach Albert, yep. who had passed away that Saturday. And Mike came to the game and you know, got home at God knows what hour uh, oh, yeah, from the Illinois in the game. Or whatever. That game went after midnight. And yeah. he came and sat in the radio booth for the fourth quarter because Gordy cool. Combs, my, yeah, you know, my color man, was his defensive yep. coordinator. Um, you know, great. I love Mike. I love Mike. I I, I think the world of him. Um, I I still think it's going to be difficult to succeed to. His, it's still well, Maryland. In a bad situation. It's still Maryland football we're talking about, right? Like in the Big Ten. Exactly right. Every year, there's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State in your division. Right. You have to play all of them every year. Right. Um, I still think there's a cap to everything you can do, but I keep trying to. T- I'm like, I don't think there is anyone that would be capable of handling this. Better than Mike Loxley is capable of handling. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's, he is just and the guy. way that people, him. everyone, what you just said, you talk to anyone who knows Mike Loxley, and it's the exact same thing. There's just something very special that that goes beyond like other people that are respected as coaches. Um, I had somebody in here uh, recently who's is now a Penn State writer, and we we're talking about the comparison between Mike Loxley and James. Like people like James Franklin. They're like he's a good coach and a likable guy. They love Mike Loxley. On a human level. Right. Like, it's just there's something different about Mike Loxley as a human. The day they hired him as the head coach, their their football SID, Dustin Samanovic. Of he used to be at Towson. Was yep. a Towson SID, and I texted him, and I just said, had to get a Towson guy to fix the program, huh? <laughs> For those that don't know, Spiro does not harbor any um, uh, positive feelings towards Maryland. No, the mothership <laughs> is not my favorite. He, does, he always does that. <laughs> the always, is one not night I came over to do a halftime with Spiro, and he looked, and Maryland was playing the same night. And I, you know, I, I am not. I, when I was a child, I was a huge Maryland fan, right? Like I was because that was what was on TV, right? Like I was just a massive Maryland sure. fan. Then I ended up going to Maryland for a little bit. And so I have been associated with being a Maryland sycophant over the years, which is not, if you actually listen every day, is by no means the truth. But I've been associated with that. I was, to, there's no debate, I was a Gary Williams sycophant for sure. 1,000% I was a Gary I Williams sycophant. I was the sycophant. opposite of that. Gary Williams, I don't know if you know, he was pretty good. <laughs> like He won a lot of games, yeah. man. Um, they've, they've, it's been a struggle since then. They haven't won quite so many games. So that part was true, and I think it, it coalesced with me being thought of as a Maryland sycophant because I was a Gary Williams sycophant. And um, I come down to do halftime with Spiro. He pulls the headset off. He said, your boys are getting their asses kicked tonight. <laughs> it's just oh, the joy man. in his voice as he says it. I'm like, and I haven't been paying attention. That's and if it I'm... wasn't for George Evans not being able to bend over, oh, yeah. Gary but... Williams never gets to a, a Final Four or a championship game. The first game. The first game of that He round. probably would have been fired. Had they lost to George Mason in the probably first right round of that, that tournament, probably right about he probably that. gets fired. 
I don't know that he would have been fired, but there's certainly. I said probably. Yeah, there's certainly it would have been. It would have been in the discussion. It Put it very that way. awkward. He still would have been a year removed from a Final Four, right? Like, no, I, no, that was to, the first year they made the Final Four. I thought they played Mason in the. They played them in the first round. I'm almost positive. I thought they was, played Mason. In the I was first. at Della Rose's watching that game. I thought it was Mason was the first round of the title run. I thought it was the year before. Ah, all right. Well, get on that. I'm pretty sure. I could have sworn. I think it was. I could have sworn it was Mason. This is. I, <laughs> I said you, I'm not a Maryland right. sycophant. Now I'm gonna go, I thought it was Mason, Wisconsin, Kentucky, UConn, Kansas, Indiana. I thought it was the the run. And I thought it was. It was. Uh, I know it was. It had. It had to be Georgia State. Georgia State was who they played in the second round because Lefty won a what? first round game to play. He won a first round game? I yeah. thought that was a first round game. All right, all right. No, no, because Georgia State won their first round game. I watched that game at the now defunct Bill Bateman's in Towson. <coughs> that still makes me sad, by the way. It still makes me sad to drive by there. And well, it Bill made Bateman's me sad there. that Lefty lost to Maryland. Well, I, I don't, I don't doubt that one bit. I don't him turning ninety the other day. Huh? God, and they did the whole thing for him. I love Lefty. God, I love Lefty. <laughs> Funny man. Lefty story. All right, you know he coached at James Madison forever, when the CAA was still a Virginia-centric uh, conference. And the conference tournament was at the Richmond Coliseum every year. The night before the tournament started, they would have a banquet, and each school would would have like a you know a legend of the program. So that year, James Madison had Lefty as their legend of the program. Okay. They never let these people. You know, they come up, they get their award from the uh, commissioner, and and move off. Well, they asked Lefty to talk. So Lefty gets up there. Tom Yeager hands him his plaque, you know, and Lefty, can you say a few words? And he goes, Well, you know. I ain't going to talk too long because they ain't paying me. <laughs> and proceeded to talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, it, come on. It's like, it was 2001. It was the first Final Four run when they played George, George Mason. Uh, two, no, 2000. 2002, really? they won the national championship. So then who was the first-round opponent in 2002? There's some, it, I don't know. Wasn't it like, but it was George Mason because like George Kansas Evans couldn't or... bend over and pick up a pass. All right. Well, if, if it was that scenario, then you're right. He probably would have been fired. If that, if that was the I I, I could have sworn there's no chance they played him both years, is there? I have no idea. It was Sienna in the first round in, in 2002. All right. I've just switched those two out then. Uh, somehow over the years, I've just switched Patsos. those two out. Correct. Very much pre-Jimmy Patsos. Well, Jimmy Patsos was in Maryland right. at that Correct. point. Correct. I actually Maryland saw show. Sienna for the first time in my life because we played Albany uh, this year. And you went up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We All played right. Albany in, in basketball. Oh, you're back on the road, yeah. Because yeah. you're yeah, you're back yeah. on the road this year. Yeah. This is a week. I've now been there are 358 Division One teams between football, basketball, and lacrosse. I've been to 149 okay. of the 358 schools that are Division One. Do you have a Do you have a goal that you want to get to at some point? Do you have like if I get to 200? Uh, you know, that'd be great. That'd be pretty cool, right? But, you know, I got to talk to Pat Scary to start. Uh, yeah, yeah, we get get scheduling some games, say, right? Yeah, the you ones get you these can't on go to. Go. Exactly. <laughs> We've already been there. We're right. not doing that again. This is not going to happen. Um, of course, Spiro uh, does every every game, and uh, you're, it's it, Flow Hoops is your broadcast, correct? Yes, yes. So it's you whether you're watching on Flow Hoops or listening, or listening on Towson Tigers. You're getting Spiro either way on home games for home road games. Just oh, Towson it'd be there because it would be the local broadcast, right, right for the right. for the the TV. So yeah, road games audio, home games video and audio, correct? Uh, for Spiro, and are you is it it's, is Chuck Chuck still with you for the Chuck is still with me? Yes, That's awesome. That's Chuck awesome. Lightning. Love Chuck Lightning. That's very cool. And then, of course, uh, lacrosse in a couple months. With Glenn Smith back. I love Actually, Glenn's, I like Glenn a lot. That's one of my favorite people. Yeah, That's cool, man. He's 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 great. That's awesome. He's great. When, and what, what's, uh, you guys have a game? Have February 11th, we open against Hopkins on a Hopkins, Friday night right. in front of 
I've, thousands and thousands I've, of people. I have come out for the early season. I actually did my show. For, uh, uh, Spiro sat in with me. I did my show when, when we were the flagship home of the Towson Correct. Tigers. I said, man, Towson's playing Hopkins on a Friday night. I'm going to go do my show from there. Everybody looked at me like, why? I said, because I actually care about local sports. Like, Unlike some people, I'm actually interested in right. it. I actually like doing these it's, things. It's so sad, though, Glenn, because you, know, you used to play – Hopkins, yeah, and it would be and big. Loyola, and, right? Late in the year, and the weather would be nice, and, the, and it would just and, be jam And you would have yep. so many people, and now we they play, play these all those guys. Games in we February. all play each other miserable. in February, and it's horrible. It's miserable, and sometimes they're like midweek games, right? Oh, that's God. Oh, it drives me so nuts. I went my first season of doing Loyola lacrosse. I went because I was like, I want to go watch Towson because, or I no, uh, Towson was hosting Loyola, and it was I wanted to go watch Loyola before I was mm-hmm. calling their games. And it was like a two o'clock Wednesday afternoon game, right? In February. In February, right? What is this? Yeah, and I get it. Like nighttime is no better because it's colder and more miserable. And nobody wants to come out. But they're like, this is. Oh gosh, you know where you you know where you really don't want to go do a game in early February in Albany, at night? yeah. <laughs> Mount St. Mary's. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Oh, oh that's miserable. Uh, you're on Twitter. Yeah, I am. Spiro, oh, God. I don't even remember. Well, what you it should is. probably know that. I, That's I'm, not a good. I'm sign. not a real big Twitter guy. Well, I mean, I'll tweet occasionally. Well, people, hey, games on tonight. Exactly. You know, Spiro Towson P by PBP. Yeah. Spiro Towson PBP yeah. is how you follow him on there. Yeah, come on, tell me how wrong I am about Journey and the. Nobody's Yellow. no. You're, I assure you. By the way, nobody's saying that. Nobody is. Uh, no, there was a, there was a couple people that were you agree, disagreed about Journey, but everything mm-hmm. else for the most part, they were like, you're probably right about that. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you, my friend. I love it. Love doing this. Let's do it again. So I, I, you know what? I swore that we're going to do this with Messina next time. Next time, we're going to plan this more ahead of time, and you, me, and Messina will all do it together, all right? All right? He's not going to be here, though. No, right? of course not. Are you kidding me? He's he just, doesn't leave Montours. Not, not going to happen, man. Like, it's just not going to happen. Can't get and, past that although, city line. Although, randomly, like, if I, I had to do my show from Hooters for a little while, right? And, like, it was a, you know, you know how those deals do. And there would just be a Friday where you'd look over and you'd see a man come running at you and you'd be like, oh, gee, of course it's Messina. Of course. Of all the places on the planet where I would bump into this man, it would be at the Inner Harbor Hooters. Like, of course. Are they that still would in business? Be, oh, I don't know. I don't. Couldn't tell you that. Uh, it's been a long time. Is bro. anything in business at Harbor that's, Place? That's also a good question. I uh, love you, man. Love uh, you too. Great to see you. I know you got to go back to work. Thank you for coming nice and to hanging meet out you. with us. Nice to meet you, too. At Spiro Maricus, these hours go by in a heartbeat, man. They go by super Anytime. Quick. I love it. Love we'll do it, it again soon. All right. See you. Uh, we'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit tube to wrap up for the day. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop service center. Ask for Mobile One. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. I will. Love Spiro. Love doing that, man. That's always a lot of fun. Thanks to him for stopping by. We'll try to do that. I've been, you know, we've been trying to have some, I, I had, we went a while without having any guests in studio, and, you know, part of that is the nature of where we are in the world, but I love those things, man. That's fun for me to just sit around and, and shoot the S with uh, people that I haven't caught up for within a while, and Spiro's great, and, um, you know, gets this, he was a talk show host, like, he gets how this works, so. I love uh, chatting with Spiro, and later on in the week, Delegate Mike Griffith is going to join us in studio again, and I promised Stein we'd have him back in studio so that we could fight again. Um, of course, you're a longtime friend, that is, Gary yeah, Stein. Yeah, yeah. You we guys have been back. friends for forever. Uh, I told him we'd have him back in here in the next couple weeks. I, I want to get back into doing stuff like that. It's been a long time since Pete Medhurst is back on with us. I want to make that happen again. I just love having different voices and, and different people to chop it up with and mix it up with, so it's fun to do. All right, uh, today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The seasonal menu with all the comfort food classics is still available right now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. It features the short rib grilled cheese sandwich, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the house-made meatloaf, the smoky thigh wings with the Alabama barbecue sauce, the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, the Brussels and bacon appetizer, and so much more. Glory Days Grill. I don't know what happened there. GloryDaysGrill.com. Glory Boy, it was really like, <laughs> over. I was overcome. Uh, GloryDaysGrill.com. Get your order in. Uh, bring it home tonight. Let them do the cooking for you at Glory Days Grill. Uh, a couple of things quickly from Tony. Tony says, "Glenn, I heard you and Jeremy talking about it yesterday, and what Spiro just said." 
Uh, I know you're saying that you thought he looked like he was done last night, but do you still think it's possible that he just realizes it's over in Pittsburgh and would take a chance somewhere else? You know, this it's really interesting you say that, Tony, because that thought almost exactly came to my mind. So he definitely... I, I have been the one that's... I'm not 100% certain he's actually done, right? I keep saying Neither that. Neither am I. After the post-game interview, especially. So, but last night, his body language mm-hmm. and the way that he acted on the field came off as someone who, and like his emotions in the interview with Lisa Salters, who really did recognize this is it. To your point about the post-game interview and the way he keeps saying, I don't speak in absolutes Mm -hmm. over the last couple of weeks, it does point back to me the possibility that he realizes it's definitely over in Pittsburgh. That they have said to him, you're not back. We we have to move on. We have to do whatever we're going to do. This has to be the end. We're going to treat you like a conquering hero, but you've got to know this is it. We said, we agreed before this, we would do one more year, but this is the end, right? My only friend, the end. And he's left in the back of his mind this possibility. You know, Spiro brought up Miami. I've said Denver is the thing. I keep coming back to Denver as like the the team that that can't get a quarter, that wants to get a real quarterback, can't get a real quarterback. Although, you know what, I – I actually think Matt Ryan is going to end up being the answer in Denver. Oh, yeah? I think they're going to strike out on, on Rodgers and Wilson, and they're going to be sitting there because they're – you know what's weird? I keep saying they're not going to have all that high of a draft pick. Like, There's only five teams with really bad records, mm-hmm. and then everybody else has seven wins. Like, They're actually going to have a, a fairly high draft pick despite the fact they've been right around 500 all year. Um, but if they don't like the quarterback like, – just something about Matt like, – Atlanta's got to move on from Matt Ryan. There's just nothing – there's not enough retooling that can be done to to push after a suit. And Matt Ryan's still playing well. Like nobody's paying attention because why would you be paying attention to the Falcons? But Matt Ryan is still playing well. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a monster. Jesus, Kyle Pitts. It's one of the most under the radar spectacular seasons. It's no, it, it's been like 30 years since a, t- a rookie tight end has had a thousand yards receiving. It blows my mind. It's only him and Mike Dicka. Correct. Uh, and right. Dicka did that in like the 50s or 60s. But it's, it's, man, yeah, actually, it's been. You're right. It's been much longer. Um, than that. It blows my mind that he has a thousand yard season because I had him in fantasy football and there was and you were eight, frustrated by him. There was an eight week stretch where he did literally nothing for funny. me to the point where I had to bench him. Matt Ryan this season. Let me pull up his numbers. Matt Ryan this year uh, has thrown sixty seven point four percent. He has thrown nineteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. He's thrown. He's if he throws for two hundred fifty yards off a four thousand yard season, it's not overwhelming, but he doesn't have any receivers. Mm. He's doing that without. He's got a tight end and nothing else. He doesn't have a single. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he had Calvin Ridley, of course. Right. But for w- at what point did he lose Calvin Ridley? The halfway point of the season? Probably before that. It, it was like after like week four. So, like. so for the majority of the season, he's had no receivers, and yet he's still playing well. Mm-hmm. And so, I when I keep saying Denver for Roethlisberger, I actually kind of come back to Matt Ryan is the more practical answer to this. Like you're not you you try to swing for the real quarterbacks, you can't get them. You're sitting there saying, we need a quarterback, and it, you're desperate. You're desperate that you need a quarterback because you think you have a roster that otherwise, obviously Denver's defense is very good. They've got receivers. They like you know Javante Williams. There's a lot to like there. So they don't want to necessarily be the team that drafts a quarterback because you don't want to waste this opportunity that you have. So Matt Ryan's sitting there, and if it comes down to Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger, you're probably like, you know what, I like Matt Ryan – has been closer to good than Ben Roethlisberger has, and maybe we still buy ourselves two more years of an attempt to try 
with Matt Ryan if we do that. So I, I say Denver for Ben Roethlisberger, but Matt Ryan is the more logical answer for Denver. But I still think they're going to try to swing for the real quarterbacks. I just How about Houston for Ben Roethlisberger? I, right now, I mean, I, I think if, if you're Houston and your options are Davis Mills or Ben Roethlisberger, Davis Mills is your quarterback. I mean, I know he didn't play all that well this week, but mm-hmm. Davis Mills, for the most part, has played well. I think if you're going a different direction, it's got to be for a real quarterback. Right. Um, I don't think. I mean, like, I, I imagine any place he goes, it'll be for one year, and it'll be a team that's looking to to build and, a quarterback. And this is, but this is where I, I could see him going somewhere where they're like, let's just say a team drafts a quarterback, and they say we're not sold. It's not. You know, ironically, Kenny Pickett might be the answer, right? Who they draft a quarterback, and they're not ready to say on day one, this is definitely the guy that we can win like with. Seattle. Seattle's going to have a really high pick. I think if... Oh, no, they don't have a pick. But presumably they're going to get one. That's the interesting part. What does Seattle get in a Russell Wilson trade? So they don't have a first-round pick, Seattle. Right. So if they draft a quarterback in the second round, this is exactly that type of scenario where, like, they think that's going to be the guy, but they're not committed to that guy on day one. So they need somebody to play until they're committed to that guy. And that's where Ben Roethlisberger can make sense. But the question becomes, what do they get in their Russell Wilson trade? Mm -hmm. I presume... I, I I have said Minnesota to me is the place that makes the most sense for Russell Wilson, right? And again, I'm just throwing things there are out. I don't who think he's gonna end up in Pittsburgh. I there it's come up a lot. I actually don't I, I think Pittsburgh's gotta draft their quarterback. Yeah. I think either you either get Aaron Rodgers or you draft your quarterback, right? Like I, I think you're at a place now in Pittsburgh where <sighs> somebody would make the somebody would make the argument that like Denver, they feel like they have the roster. But I Maybe I'm just mis- maybe I am totally misreading this. I don't think they can be the team that keeps trading away draft picks. Yeah. I think they have to invest and say this is we identify our guy, this is our guy. Now Steelers fans would all say, if you're telling me that's Kenny Pickett, I'd rather have Russell Wilson, right? Like I'd rather take the chance there. I think Russell Wilson is Minnesota's the place because you look and you say, they've got wide receivers. They've got they've got a running game. Like they've got they got a lot of things. They've just been sort of bogged down by Kirk Cousins. And Which is crazy because he has nice seasons. There. His numbers look tremendous because they've got all those pieces. But ultimately, when they need to win games, yeah. Kirk Cousins Kirk isn't Cousins, the guy. Yeah. And that's why Russell Wilson, to me, like, I would, looking at all these places, and maybe that changes a little bit because Pittsburgh proved this season they can run the ball, right? So maybe I'd have to reconsider that. They Minnesota's indoors, and I think that's a good thing. For Russell Wilson to play indoor football, I would prefer that to being in Pittsburgh in December. And if I'm going to have a voice in where it is that I'm going, and presumably Seattle will allow him to have a bit of a voice in making a decision like this, I I lean Minnesota. And for Minnesota, it seems like a slam dunk for them to overpay. They they have pieces. I think they have to be desperate at this point. Pittsburgh is coming off this lengthy run with Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to be desperate. This is still the Steelers that we're talking yeah. about. There's still a a quality organization, the fan base that's going to be with them. I think if you're Minnesota, you got to start to be desperate. It's tough to get guys to sign up to stay in Minnesota long term. I think when you've got some pieces and you look around, and you say maybe we would have a chance. You got to be aggressive to go get your quarterback. I could absolutely see Minnesota being the team that overpays. Pittsburgh says we're willing to pay a reasonable amount for Russell Wilson. Minnesota says yeah, we'd pay more than that. Yeah, we'd go beyond reasonable in order to get that guy because we feel like we have to do this right now yeah. um that makes sense no i'm look i'm i'm just talking out of my ass i don't know any of these it, things it and, makes sense and, so and your, your pittsburgh are... makes sense too you yeah. know what i mean like all these places make sense 
Um, but it, whatever the spot ends up being, let's say it's Carolina, right? Carolina said, Carolina is such a weird place. I don't even know if they think that they have a, I don't know that they feel like they have to have a quarterback. It's such a strange bit that Carolina's done where they've had no plan whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That enough people convinced themselves that Sam Darnold could go there and be a guy, like, and never understood where that was coming from. I, it, they're a weird place. And New Orleans is the other one. I don't know what to make of the New Orleans thing at all. They had no plan at at all for replacing Drew You can Drew make Brees. the argument for Pittsburgh had no plan to replace Ben Roethlisberger. But they at least had, they, and maybe New Orleans is the closer argument to this, they could default back to, we have no choice but to sort of bow down to this dude. Right. We have yeah. to do it that way. The, the guy's given us everything. We have to. We have no choice but to just capitulate to this guy's whims until he's done, right? So if one of if one of those two spots, New Orleans or Carolina, did the bit where they drafted a quarterback and they weren't and they said, "Hey man, you want to come in here and play for a year? Just just give it a shot." I could 100% still see Ben Roethlisberger saying, "Yeah, okay." And it wouldn't change anything about what that meant to him last night. Those emotions would still be real because it was still his final right. night in Pittsburgh. It was still his final night as a Steeler. All of that that we saw wouldn't go away. The way that Tom Brady's emotions, like post game in New Orleans, in New England, were real. It was real for him. That mattered. Those emotions could still be real last night, even if Ben Roethlisberger played somewhere else next season. If there was any world in which the Steelers were entertaining him being back next year, then that would have been kind of nonsensical. It's and on Roethlisberger's side, it's December. The season's winding down. You're you're old. You're tired. You're, you're yeah. beat up. So right now, maybe you're thinking. I'm probably done. And then June comes around, and it's warm, and your body feels yeah. good. You're, you're recovered, and you're like, huh. Yeah. It's a whole Brett Favre thing. Huh, I think I, I think I want to come back and try this again. Yep. Type of thing. We will, of course, have Project Game Day for uh, Baltimore-Pittsburgh on Sunday. It'll be uh, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline for both shows. The post-game show also at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Join us for Project Game Day, brought to you by Glory Days Grill and Underdog Fantasy Football. Rita is back with me for the season finale. What we presume is the season finale. I guess there is this, you know, insane world. Insane world where there could be one more. Tidbit brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all. PressBoxOnline.com slash best of because it is our best of 2021 issue Justin Tucker on the cover as our Mo Gamba Sports Person of the Year. Go get it right now. All right, we were just talking about how Pittsburgh has a running game this year. Uh, la- last night, Najee Harris rushed for career high 188 They can't throw the yards. ball, though. No. Uh, 188 yards on 28 carries, his third 100-yard game of the season. His 1,172 rushing yards are nearly 300 yards more than the next closest rookie. Since 2012, only seven running backs have rushed for more for more yards then Harris in their rookie season. Who are they? Since what year? 2012. Only two rookie running backs. Only seven rookie oh, seven. running backs. Why did, I, did you say two in there at some point? No. My brain, man. Seven rookie running backs have rushed for more yards than Najee Harris. Um, since 2012. Okay, so... Uh, 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 I'm trying to remember when these guys... Uh, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is sixth with 1,307 yards in 2018. Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, number one with 1,631 yards in 2016. Christian McCaffrey. No. Alvin Kamara? No, because no, he didn't really play He's as much. He's never had a 1,000-yard season. Yeah, Mc, Mc, who? 
Kamara. I don't think that he's, can't. That's not. He's true. never had a thousand. No, that's not remotely. No, no. I mean, I, he doesn't. The, he was splitting time with Mark Ingram. That's why. Uh, he's really not had a thousand yard rushing season. No, it's, it's always. Well, like, I know because he's the passing yards. I understand the receiving yards is what makes Alvin Kamara so good, but he hasn't a single thousand yard rushing season. Uh, Nick Chubb. No. Dalvin Cook. No. Was he hurt? I don't know. Probably. There are some guys on this list that you are not going to get. Was David Johnson a rookie when he did that? David Johnson? Uh, I don't know, but he uh, he's not on the list. Melvin Gordon? No. I'm trying to think of who's... Todd Gurley, was that, to, was that within this time span? It was, but he's not on the list. Was it? Joe Mixon? No. Because Joe Mixon didn't really take off till the second and third year. How am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> How in the world am I supposed to remember what year Joe Mixon took off? Um, Jesus, it's 2012. Rookie running back since 2012. Um, My God. How about Josh Jacobs? No. Chris Carson? Mm-mm. Uh, We're to a point where you want to hint yet? No, 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 no. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, best rookie. Wait, did you best. say Kareem Hunt? No, I didn't, but I should have. <laughs> I'm assuming that means he's on the list. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I didn't think you said him, but Kareem Hunt, number four, 1,327 <laughs> yards. Sorry. There you go. I nailed that one. Nailed it. Jonathan Taylor. No. What? Really? Really. Jesus. Um, my God, I don't, I don't know why I'm not, I, uh, two of these guys aren't in the league anymore and two of them barely are. Yeah, sure. Two of them barely are and two of them aren't in the league anymore. And actually, Lamar of, Miller. No. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, number five, 1,313 yards in 2016. Uh, two of these guys are barely in the league. Well, that was the guy who's barely, because he, he had it. Right. He played this year. And the other guy, I don't know that he played this year. He was in the league last year. He was in the league last year, but he might not be in the league any longer, but we don't really know that either. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, other than that, I, got, I definitely have it. He's played in the NFC East. He's played in the NFC. Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris, number two. I six, would have thought he was rookie season was before 2012. Jeez. 1,613 yards in 2012. Okay. There was a whole bit where he was still driving like his like 1998 Honda Accord. I think I vaguely remember something about that. Yeah. All right, tell me, tell me, give me something on these other guys because I'm... Um, you want the teams they played for? Yeah, sure. Why All not? right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy. Man, 20... I forgot Eddie Lacy yeah. was a monster. He's the one guy who's going to get eclipsed. Yeah. He had 1178 yards in 2013. So Harris is only. Dude, he was like the idea. number one pick in fantasy one year. Like yeah. he was. He was. And he showed up like wearing like 300 pounds. And then. Tampa. Doug Martin? Doug Martin, number three on the list. Muscle hamster. I would have guessed that was before 2012, too. 1,454 yards in 2012. I like Doug Martin a lot, man. He was a hell of a bad. Yeah, I I forgot about him. He just disappeared. Went to Oakland and then just done. Just over. Man, that is... Running backs really do get run out of the league, don't they? Jesus, that's crazy. 
All right, uh, good stuff. Tubular brought to you by Live Casino Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. Uh, the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland, where you can make your bets, bet on every sport with self-service kiosks, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house at Live Casino and Hotel. What's coming up tonight? Uh, College Hoops, Loyola hosting Holy Cross at 7 o'clock, and Boston University is at Navy at 7 o'clock. Both games on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Big Ten Hoops, Michigan Rutgers at 7 on Big Ten Network, Illinois Minnesota at 7 on Fox Sports 1. The rest of the college basketball you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Texas Bowl tonight, the penultimate bowl game of the year, LSU-Kansas State at 9. It appears as though Ryan Flanders is going to win our bowl pick'em contest. He has a two-game lead with two games to play, and you can't can't see who the other person picks, so you can't go back and readjust your picks to just pick the other team. So if he and I believe it's Dustin is in second, if he picked the game the same way, it doesn't matter what happens. Uh, the, it, it's over. Ryan wins. And NBA tonight, Pacers, Knicks, 730, Kings, Lakers, 1030 on NBA TV, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Avalanche Blackhawks at 830, the USA Network for WWE NXT at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Um, some of your favorites, American Auto is back uh, at 8 o'clock on NBC. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed American Auto. I'll be willing to look at it again. Uh, Grand Crew at 8.30. This Is Us returns at 9 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, I do love, I love me some This Is Us. And then to follow that up on The Tonight Show with Jimmy, uh, starring Jimmy Fallon at 11.35, one of the stars, Milo Ventimiglia, will be ah, on. Uh, will he's be on very that. good looking. He, he is a nice looking man, looking. Uh, with, despite the weird lip thing he's got going on. Yeah, I don't know. He's, I, 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 I'm not, I don't notice things like that. Well, I notice, you, you how do you look tell. with your shirt off? You, you <laughs> which is how we chose a producer, by the way, on this show. He said, you've clearly never in, seen me with my shirt off. Take your shirt off. I'm working I was like, on All right, you're good. You're good. It'll work out here. Um, uh, and then, that, that's really, the, uh, all the FBI shows, FBI, FBI International, FBI Most Wanted from 8 those. to 10. Never miss those. Yeah. All right, very good. Thanks today to Spira Marikas. Thanks to Patrick Stevens, as well as to uh, Gary Baxter. That was a fun conversation with him. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, Drew tomorrow. Anything Anything else we got lined up for tomorrow? Not just yet, but all I'm, right. I'm stuff and things. Stuff. stuff and things on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobil, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Loyola, go Navy Hoops, Duke sucks, Ohio State sucks too.